In the deep dark hills of eastern Kentucky That's the place where I traced my bloodline And it's there I read on a hillside gravestone You'll never leave Harlan alive Hi friends, pals, buddies, and dear compatriots of our hearts, it's the Boy Hattie Podcast. Uh, I'm Annie. I'm Bill. If we sound a little different this week, it's because we're we're doing a remote recording this week. The the cloud, the smoky clouds of Portland have driven me from the air. So I am here in my bunker while Bill is in his own. Yeah, it's like we're being attacked by smog monsters. It's fucking crazy. I had no idea. I know late summer is always big fire season all around the country. and But I didn't realize uh, Oregon and uh, Washington got really slammed with a whole bunch of super really hardcore uh, forest fires in the last week. Yeah. And Portland is essentially surrounded by a ring of fire right now. Yeah. And all that fire and all that smoke is being blown out to the ocean. We're between the fires and the and the ocean, so it's uh, pretty much starting at uh, yesterday morning. Uh, the orange, uh, the sun started growing, glowing like super ember orange mm-hmm. in a really horrifying way. It made for a really dramatic sunset last night, which was super cool. Oh yeah! But I have uh, skylights in my house, and when oh, I got right, up, yeah. it was fascinating because there was just this orange filter on the light coming through. It didn't seem real. Yeah. Yeah, no, they officially declared the the air in uh, Portland to be officially unhealthy. Yeah. Recommending it's... everyone to stay inside, close your windows and stuff like that. So, I mean, compared to other parts of the world, it's not like as bad as China, where it's like, this is a light day for everybody living in Beijing right now. Yeah. But still, you know, Portland, you know, we have pretty clean air compared to most of the rest of the world. And for it to be yeah. this kind of fucked up, it's pretty... And knowing that there's all that fire out there, I'm not, a, I'm not used to... I grew up in Pennsylvania where the big things are like snowstorms, flooding... Being on the West Coast, I'm not used to the big, big things being forest fires and earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck that shit. I'd rather deal with snow than fire, fucking rain than fucking earthquakes. Yeah, my heart goes out to all the firefighters who are out there battling the blaze even now. Yes. Highly recommend that any Portland locals follow the National Weather Service Portland Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been really doing a really good job of, of keeping folks informed of stuff as the, it happens. The weird thing, I, I keep on seeing that part of the reason there's so many fires is because all the um, the guys in the fire towers, they're so distracted by teens on the lakes <laughs> and throwing radios into the lakes at them for no reason and kind of walking around and talking to women on the radios and you don't That's really right. know what's happening. But This it's... episode brought to you by Campo Santos uh, Firewatch. Firewatch. Watch the fire. I hope they've sent a couple guys up here with cameras just to take reference photos for like, stuff going on up here. Uh, uh, but anyway, doing, yeah, that's our inside baseball talk on Portland. Uh, yeah. Bill, how you been doing this week, my friend? Uh, but yeah, we were just uh, yeah talking right before we started recording. I've not been much. Andy's been uh, worked to the bone with stuff, so you haven't had too much time to do too much stuff this week. Whereas I've had all the time in the world this to do stuff this week, and I still didn't do anything much. <laughs> so this is going to be a very quiet, very short podcast, hopefully. Um, the only st- the only stuff I watched this week was... Have you heard of Show Me a Hero? No. Uh, this is a new HBO show. I I love the fact... I keep on forgetting that you can watch HBO on 
devices now because it's actually like it's just an app and you don't have to ha- no longer have to pay cable so this is the new show from the guy who created the wire okay. and <laughs> this does not sound interesting at all but it actually seems to be a pretty cool show t- uh, so far show me your hero is about this it's it's based on a real life story about this guy in yonkers new york who he's this young guy he's a councilman in yonkers and he just suddenly decides that he wants to try to run for mayor because a couple of people are like, oh, our mayor's been here for a million years. You should run for mayor. You're very, very young, very charismatic. Yonkers is a small town. You could easily become mayor. And, you know, why not? Everyone likes you. It's a, it's a thing to do. So on a whim, he decides to run for mayor, not knowing that uh, as soon as he becomes mayor, that they're on the horizon... Uh, there's this political battle looming in town where the federal government has mandated that Yonkers, which is predominantly a very kind of lower-middle-class, white, blue-collar community, Mm -hmm. has to start building uh, low-income housing all throughout the white part of the the, the city. So so there's more uh, uh, social and uh, racial integration within the the town because there's a... uh, The city is essentially divided in half between, yeah, the the white half and the black half. Or not Mm -hmm. even the black, but just black Latinos. No, of course, that's the 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 poor part of town. Yeah, exactly, the non-white half. And so I guess the, yeah, Yonkers has been so striated between those two cultures that the federal government has had to step in and say, you guys have to start mixing up a little bit. This is crazy. And so this guy just happens to become mayor right when this political debate starts to happen as to whether or not how, how much the, uh, the, the white people really decide they want to start kicking back against the federal government about, like, you can't make us uh, – build low-income housing because, you know, it's going to lower our fucking property values. It's going to make the uh, neighborhoods dangerous. Uh, The black people, the the non-white people don't even seem to really know what's going on. They're just like all, they're just living their lives. But, like, everyone's crowded and packed in and, like, they need more space to live. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's only supposed to be like a six-episode miniseries and they're airing two episodes a week. And they've only aired the first two episodes last Sunday. Uh, Two more episodes will air tonight. And the mayor is played by Oscar Isaac, who's the one of the guys in the new Star Wars. Uh, He was inside Lewin Davis. I love him. He's a great fucking actor. I love him. I... He kind of, he's he's Venezuelan, but he kind of looks Italian. In fact, he's playing an Italian guy in the show. And he kind of, he's kind of like the asshole's Al Pacino. Because he's kind of <laughs> got this kind of the slow-eyed, kind of like swarthy Al Pacino looks. But he always just plays assholes. Not that everyone Al Pacino's ever played has been a stand-up guy. But like all of uh, Oscar Isaac's characters are always just like, eh, what are you making me do? I don't know what you're making me do. What are you know, kind of like, he's always just kind of like neurotic and kind of like, eh. And, yeah, he's playing, like, this, like, 28-year-old mayor of this town who's, like, suddenly embroiled in this racial, sociopolitical battle. Mm -hmm. And it's the first two episodes just just setting up the conflict. Um, One of the best things that, like, uh, there's a woman working in the office who, uh, she's, like, this older woman with a lot of political ambitions who's kind of, like, aging out of being taken seriously by the men in the office. Uh, sure. Played by Winona Ryder. And it's crazy mm. to see Winona Ryder kind of playing not like an old lady, but like a lady in her late 40s. Uh-huh. Who's kind of washed up just because she's a lady in her 40s. Yeah. And it's freaking me out to see Winona Ryder that old being like, I'm too old and washed up. Because, like, you know, when she 20 years ago when she was the stardom, she was like, I'm the young pixie girl. How you doing? I'm uh-huh. 19. I'm so cute. And now she's like, eh, she's smoking and drinking and depressed and I hate the world. And um, it's got a great cast. It's got, like, Alfred Molina and all these other crazy people, mm. ba- Bob Balaban. And we'll see how the whole show shapes up. But 
I mean, it's from David Simon, the guy who created The Wire, who's super interested in sociopolitical racial stuff. Sure. And, oh, we'll see what happens. It's, it's a good start hmm. to the show. So Interesting. Show me here. Huh. Not, not kind of pretty off to a pretty good start. We're gonna, I'll watch it just because it's Oscar Isaac and sure. Surly, Drunk, and Depressed Winona Ryder. But <laughs> they had me at that. So. Yeah. Uh, what, the what only, I haven't watched any TV this week. All, the only two things I really watched this week is I caught on Netflix a documentary called The Search for General So. Which is about um, uh, uh, General So Chicken, right? Yeah. And and like yeah. kind of the search for where this came from, and in the it's kind of is just an excuse to do like a history of Chinese food in the United States. Oh, and that's awesome! Where'd you see this? It's on Netflix. I highly recommend oh, this documentary. Did you add that to your show notes? Uh, I did. I, I, I love cannot the recommend sound of that. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. documentary is just really, really interesting. And Aww. basically, you watch it, and at the end of it, you really just want to hang out with all of these cool <laughs> older Chinese people who run their own restaurants because they just all seem fascinating. That's really so fascinating. They go all over the country, then. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and the, and they go to China, and they go. Oh, I mean, really? they okay, really. So it's not just like a bunch of people like interviewing like in like Chinatown Mm-mm. in New York, just kind of like, hey, tell us about where General Tso's came from. Yeah, and they mostly, I mean, there is no narrator per se. There oh, yeah, is no just, okay, voice yeah. of, or face of the documentary. They're just kind of letting the people tell oh, their stories nice. and stitching it together from there. So oh, it was man. a really good time. I, I mean, there's not really much to say about it other than it was really good. And it was a fascinating look at the Chinese-American experience through did, food. Did you want to go out and get Chinese when it was done? Yes. <laughs> that's, really badly. That's the sign of a good food doc. Not that all food documentaries have to be like, oh, look at this succulent food. But like, I can yeah. see after watching an hour of that, you're like, man, let's go get some fucking rice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was really, it was really enjoyable and I liked a lot. And uh, uh, otherwise, um, as Bill alluded to, I've been really stressed out of work this week. There's a big deadline uh, bearing down my neck. So last night I made my wife take me out on a date. Um, uh, we went out to go see uh, The Man from Uncle. Uh, paid an obscene amount of money to go see it at IMAX on a on a Saturday oh, night. Oh Jesus! And uh, uh, I have to say, it was a lot of fun. I am a fan of Guy Ritchie movies. Um, uh, I always have been, and this is really interesting in that uh, the thing about the Sherlock Holmes movie is that he kind of had to invent an aesthetic to apply the film to. In this yeah. case, Man from Uncle, there's already that pre-existing yeah, like, mid nineteen six sixties mid-century stylish sort yeah. of. Exactly, and yeah. it really suits um, Guy Ritchie's aesthetic. So you really liked well. it? It was a lot of fun. I mean, okay. it's a very, it's a very silly, goofy. You are paper. literally the first thing of, of first review I've heard from anyone say that was a good movie. It's fun. I've you heard can... much, but the few things I heard was just people saying it's very pretty, but like, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to. You kind of have to be game for it. Yeah. Um. It's not. It's. It, it, it is a movie that knows what it is and doesn't try to be anything more, anything yeah, less. Guy Ritchie movies tend to be pretty arch that way, where like you have to be kind of long for the ride, or otherwise you're exactly. just gonna be left behind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I drank the Kool Aid right yeah. off. Um. Well, I mean, uh, it has has some some hot guys and cool suits, and probably well, I would thing- imagine badass music and stuff. Guy Ritchie at his best does stylish action movies with um, a, a cast that has really good chemistry. Like that mm-hmm. is kind of and where he just kind of lets that chemistry be. Yeah. And uh, Army Hammer and uh, Henry Cavill and I can't remember the lady who plays uh, Gabby. They have really great chemistry and it's fun to see them is together on the screen. S- Superman good? He. Uh, this is the first movie I've actually liked Henry Cavill in. Okay, okay, okay. Because he seems kind of like. Well, I assume a couple other things. Yeah, he's been kind of like. Eh, eh, eh. Well, that's the thing. He, he's kind of rolled right off my brain. But in this, he's just playing a charismatic asshole. How are the ladies in that movie? Great. There okay, is uh, the good. villain in the movie. The, the the one interesting thing the movie kind of does is um, 
the villain is actually a woman and her she has pretty arm candy that is like part of her plan it's kind of a nice little reversal on the you know handsome villain with the the lady on his arm that maybe does his bidding or not she has bond boys she does she has a bond boy it's kind of great um and uh yeah i don't know i mean there's fun fights and great music and i I don't know i had a good time it was a a fun action movie uh uh, and a very guy richie so if you like yourself time to go out to like especially to see something in imax kind of big flashy kind of fun summer kind of bullshit because it's like it's not like we any of us go to the movies that much anymore anyway with you in the middle of like a fucked up deadline yeah it seems like a nice just like way to blow off steam Exactly. It was exactly yeah. the palate cleanser I kind of needed. Did you know that, uh, I guess, who's the guy who created James Bond? Um, Ian Fleming. I guess he mm-hmm. helped create the original show. I'll I guess it. he originally came up with the character of Napoleon Solo, and then I guess the whole show was supposed to be about that one guy, and I guess in the original show, I was just reading, uh, hearing about this recently, was that the Russian character showed mm-hmm. up in one, one random episode, but the producer's like, oh, that's kind of a cool character. I wonder if, what would happen if we paired him up with our main Napoleon Solo character more often. And then it was like, oh, no, it's actually, that's really great, like, you know, Cold War, you know, like, mm-hmm. English, Soviet, Russian guy running around doing all kinds of stuff. And Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. No, it was... Is it? Is it like the early '60s stuff? Is it like women in white go-go boots and like everything's made out of white circular plastic, that kind of stuff? <laughs> Not quite. No, oh, it's really because like... I love that era of like British early '60s kind of like. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this movie is not at all British at really? all. I thought, yeah. I, thought, I thought the main character was supposed to be a Brit. Napoleon. Napoleon Solo, Solo is American. I, I am not. Fami- I admit, I am not familiar with Man from Uncle, but I'm pretty sure Henry Cavill is British. Really? Is, Wait, is Army Hammy? Army Hammy? Army Hammy. Army is Hammer he, plays the Russian. Is he American? Is he British? Uh, he Russian. He he is American though. His he come. He is descended of Russian Jews. Oh, see, so. I totally thought it was a totally kind of a brick. I thought it was kind of just like a little more like advanced uh, James Bond stuff. I thought it was all British stuff except for the role well, of the Russian guy. Oh, I yeah. believe the, the like I said, I've not seen the show. Well, yeah, me neither. I've only heard about the show, but yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end, you actually see this uncle agency kind of be formed. This movie is essentially an origin story. Oh, okay. And uh, is Hugh lady Grant- working from ants? The Aeronautical United National Terrorist something. Wow, that's real good, Bill. <laughs> you pull that together. Uh, no, um, wagga, 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 wagga. At the very end of it, you see this be formed, and Hugh Grant is basically their M, which is a lot of fun. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. You know, I don't know. It was, I mean, it, it's one of those movies where it's like, if you go into fucking Fast and Furious and criticize it like Shakespeare, like, that's not yeah, what it is. Yeah. It's just like a dippy, fun action movie with good chemistry, and I really liked how it was filmed and edited. There were a few action scenes that I thought were a little hard to follow. There's particularly one high-speed chase through a forest. Fully disagrees. Fully had no problem with it, but okay. I had a I had a little issue with that. But otherwise, like, I liked the fight choreography, I really liked the music, the costuming was top-notch. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, again, if you have spy stuff taking place in the early 1960s, yeah. whether or not it's British or not, it should be pretty fucked. And that's half the reason to do that movie, is to do crazy style yeah. shit. Yeah. Exactly. One, one of the things that it reminded me most of was, one of my favorite movies is this movie called Down With Love, which was an early aughts... <laughs> Uh, I can totally, yeah. uh, sex caper uh, uh, spoof uh, with uh, Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. And the thing about Down With Love is that it really the thing is is that it didn't just spoof those movies. It actually was a really good example of one of those movies. And everything was spot on. Like the acting was all spot on. The music was all spot on. So it just felt like it was just removed from that time and made in the modern era. This reminded like me a lot of that. Mail. 
Uh, not so much. Cause <laughs> I just wanted to say that to see, sure. to see if you'd humor Yes, Bill, me. you're right. That movie yeah, that was intrinsically related to AOL could not really be placed back. <laughs> sure, Bill, if you're mentally daft, I guess that is a thing you could say out loud just to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this was a little, um. this was interesting because this was more um, kind of in the way that Tarantino takes these tropes from yeah, earlier like, times yeah. and remixes them. This is interesting because whereas, Guy, whereas Tarantino is very much so just slavishly devoted to that sort of stuff Uh this is more just guy Ritchie using those um visual cues and musical cues and like editing styles and just kind of mixing them in with his 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 regular toolbox and the results is really fun yeah exactly it felt it felt very contemporary but very it it wasn't a spoof or anything it was just really good time i liked it would you categorize down with love as a screwball comedy I don't know if I'd go so far as call it screwball because when I hear the phrase screwball, I tend to think of more overt goofiness and also a little bit of slapstick to it. Yeah, I'm kind of—I uh, never really thought that screwball comedy, quote unquote, was like its own genre until I saw there's a YouTube uh, channel that's really popular called Cinefix, and they do a lot of like uh-huh. uh, movie history stuff and anim- analysis and stuff like that. It's pretty lighthearted. Sure. It's not like super serious or anything like that. Uh, but Dylan and I yesterday were just like flipping through their channel, and uh, we just happened across a like six minute video that they posted called "What the Fuck Happened to Screwball Comedy," yeah. and it really is talking about their definition of screwball comedy is sex comedies from like the 1930s to the 1960s, where it's always like. Uh, battle of the sexes, the sure. ladies usually has one up on the guy, kind of like crazy stuff, and like they use some like it hot as the pinnacle sure. of screwball comedy. Okay, I and, can understand uh, that. I never heard it very, like, I've never, because I thought screwball comedy could be applied to anything from like Wet Hot American Summer to any kind of like wacky comedy, like Animal House or anything like that. Yeah, when I think screwball comedy, I tend to think more like early Adam Sandler movies, yeah, all the exactly. way back to the Marx Brothers. It's interesting that their definition of screwball comedy, which I don't know if is an accepted thing in like film sure. criticism or anything like that, is very specifically, a very specific era of almost in the black and white early set, like, you know, fucking like probably desk set and stuff like that, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Where it's kind of like, yeah, tension battle, the sexist stuff. I don't know. It's it's. Huh. I'll, have to, I'll have to send you a link to somebody so this is so you can see what. They're By that definition, it, a man from Uncle kind of plays with those screwball. You see, that's what I was wondering too. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked for Man from Uncle is that even though the movie is about two men and a woman, at no point do they bother with a love triangle or anything like oh, that. That's nice. Yeah. Um, they just so kind is of there assume... like a good spy? Is 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 there like a uh, a female? You... The 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 whole MacGuffin of the or the whole opening of the movie, it's actually a really great opening, is uh, both Henry Cavill and Army Hammer are pursuing the same woman on the other mm. side of the Berlin Wall. And there's oh, this like, high-speed chase. It's actually really... Yeah. If you if you look up the Man from Uncle Comic-Con trailer, it will show pretty much an edited version of this whole opening oh, sequence. Pretty cool. it's, yeah. it's pretty darn fun. It's amazing! Yeah, it was really fun. It was a great... And it was this whole action sequence very clearly defined each of those characters. Okay. Which, I, which you know, in it, at its well, best, character through action, that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. It was it, it. It was just a really enjoyable movie. I had a great time with it. It was worth the sixty dollars I, I like spent. I said, if you're gonna spend money on IMAX and go out to the theater and get popcorn and like parking movies. and all that shit. Here, Foley's gonna chime in. No, no, no. no. What? I'm just saying, I don't like movies, and it was worth sixty dollars. Yeah, it was. It was a really fun time. It was just a, it was sixty dollars. Exactly was that like after like popcorn and all that stuff? Well, no, I we took a friend. And oh, I okay, him. okay, okay. So yeah, because IMAX tickets are like fifteen bucks a pop. 
Uh, dude, uh, uh, they're twenty dollars. It was it was eighteen ninety nine. It was eighteen ninety nine. Well, ticket, I guess you friend. were also seeing it at night too, because I, I tend to see uh, matinees. But yeah, Ooh. yep. But I, I had a good time. It was a fun movie. Uh, yeah. So, Bill, tell me about Justified. You partook of some Justified this week. Have you ever seen Justified? I I saw a first part, a couple episodes of the first season. I need to get back to it. I enjoyed what I saw of it. I've watched much. the first two episodes, so you and I you and I equally know about as much as Justified as anyone else does. Um, it seems like an okay show. I've always heard Mike Russell, a friend of the podcast, uh, really forget about that show, and I've heard other people rave about it too. It seems to be like there's a lot of people who never got into Breaking Bad but really got into Justified and are like, yeah, if you like Breaking Bad, you should get into this Justified shit. It's like Justified's like Breaking Bad for, for white trash. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Justified is a, I don't know what's, what channel it aired on, but it's about this guy. I think it was AMC. Yeah, who is a U.S. Marshal who grew up in Kentucky, who is, you know, a good old boy, who eventually ends up uh, having to go back to Kentucky to do just law enforcement stuff. And so he's been away from his hometown uh, for like 20 years. And he comes back and he finds like some of his old friends and stuff like like into crime and stuff like that. And, but he's ha- he's having to go chase these people that he kind of grew up with because now he's on the side of the law. And there's a lot of ne- ne'er-do-wells in the hills of Kentucky that he has to uh, chase and deal with and stuff. And yeah, I've only seen the first two episodes, but uh, the uh, main character, U.S. Marshal guy, is played by Deadwood. Yeah, Deadwood does a really good job on Justified. Yeah! And this is the main it's it's the main guy from Deadwood, right? He's it's, it's not so star very handsome. <laughs> so I don't think he's ugly, but he kind of looks like an elf cuz his eyes are small uh-uh. and wide set. He's very handsome. And well, then again, any guy, if you're tall and skinny, you got a cowboy hat on, that helps. No, we're talking about just fine. Yeah, yeah, he's very. He's very, that fine black shadow. You watch this show if you want to see a hot bunch of hot blonde ladies with southern accents. That's also a thing. <laughs> well, what I liked about Justified is that so often in media where you see anything set in 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 Kentucky, it, usually Kentucky is the punchline. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And it was interesting to watch a show that is kind of sympathetic to the situation these people are in. And yeah, not everyone's just a red, them. like crazy racist redneck fucking hillbilly fucking pigs or anything like that exactly yeah. it doesn't take the the pat and easy path that most yeah. uh media tends to take my so. family they're from they're from the fucking wilds of fucking kentucky my my mother's side of the family they grew up on the kentucky west virginia border i've mentioned this on the podcast before but like i have roots in the fucking hatfield mccoy conflict and my uh, mom she grew i mean she she grew up in the fucking wild ass ass end of kentucky and so, yeah, watching this show, I'm like, oh, some of these characters are my relatives. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, only two episodes. I need to get back to I just to like the aesthetic and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. The there's not much films. of it because it's only, there's only like five seasons and there's only like 12 episodes per season. So yeah. the way it's filmed is really nice. The way it's acted is really nice. The way it's shot is really, is really nice yeah. and edited. I really need to get back. If to you that want show. justified Annie, I got justified. Like, oh, I and I forgot the, days. the theme song is done by gangster grass, which is great. Who? It is a gangster, a gangster rap blues grass. I band. noticed that the first time I was like, is this the theme song? Cause it's all like, it's I'm really rapping, good. but it's all twangy and I'm rapping. I'm like, okay, <laughs> It's r- no, it's rad. Shut up, you're it wasn't wrong. Bad. It's just not what I expected. It's real I good. thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna sound like Deadwood, the theme. I no. was not as surprised because I had been introduced to Gangsta Grass. God, I want to say back in live journal days. So, really? like, I knew of them at least. So I was like, hey, it's Gangsta Grass, and it gave me a warm fuzzy. Oh, and uh, the bad guy is Walton Goggins 
from yeah. he's been a thousand other things he was in the Django Unchained he has these eyeballs that make him look like a crazy man at all times <laughs> he has these deep set he's eyes really... that he doesn't ever blink he's real good on that uh, show he's gonna be in Hateful Eight too is he? yeah he's. oh yeah 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 he is he looks really good in that coat <laughs> did you see well, did you see the trailer? I did, yeah. yeah. Man, I have to admit, the trailer for Hateful Eight kind of tampered <laughs> a lot of my excitement for Hateful Really? Eight. Me and Jimmy yeah. Collie were raving last week about how awesome it looked. It looked great, but I don't know. I kind of... You just I want another revenge fantasy. I, no, no. I just... I always forget how Tarantino-y Tarantino movies can yeah! be. Because when I think of Tarantino movies, I don't think of the Tarantino-ness of it. You know, I think about the cinematography he gets and the music and some of the performances he gets, and then I see like a bunch of dudes monologuing. In yeah, a... that's like his first six movies. That's but like... that's not what I think of. Like that's not what I rem- what I. Uh, of course, that's what I associate with Tarantino. But when I think of his movies with fondness, that's uh, not what okay. I think of. See, that's what I like when he first broke out, like twenty twenty five years. I mean, Reservoir Dogs is nothing but a one room play where it's oh, a bunch yeah. of dudes monologuing at each other, and that sounds to like this clear, is exactly what this movie is. And I'm like totally down for that. To be a hundred percent clear, it's not that I am surprised or offended oh, by know, that. But, okay. but it's just that I don't know. I, with Django, I was like, oh man, I would like Tarantino to actually lean into a western, and because I enjoyed Django, but I thought Django was hampered by its Tarantino ness. And uh, I don't know. I I was like expecting Tarantino to not have Tarantino because Tarantino is one well, of the most filmmakers like, that is is of himself. Whether oh, you sure. like it or love it, that like, yeah, it's it's really. But I mean, yeah. I liked the direction he took with Inglorious Bastards. I yeah. thought that was kind of like an an interesting sort of deviation from his 100 percent norm while being very true to himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of was hoping that was kind of a new direction for him, and all he really took from it was historical. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. We haven't seen. The I'm, film I'm yet, sure so. I'll see it and enjoy it. It's got but... fucking Jennifer Jason Lee, who I fucking love, and she's like yeah. the best part of the trailer too. So yeah. we'll see. I I suspect everyone's gonna get wiped out in that movie except for Jennifer Jason Lee. You see, it, there's a shot in the trailer where she's all bloodied up and in like a like a a carriage. I'm expecting that she survives. Everyone else is dead, and that's like the last shot of the movie is her riding off into the sunset. And I'm pretty sure the the carriage driver in it is Zoe Bell, so that's all I need. Yeah, it turns out it's her character from fucking uh, Inglo- <laughs> Death uh, Proof. Django Chan, yeah, that's how they get up together. They they, they just get a oh, cabin out in the woods. See, I much prefer the idea of it's just Zoe Bell somehow through time uh, from Death Proof. <laughs> Death Proof, uh, she got doing hit so hard by that car. Uh huh. Yeah. What if the girls, when what's her face does that axe <laughs> dropping axe kick on what's his face at the very end of that? It's such a powerful blow it creates a rip through time and all five of them fall through because <laughs> they're out in the middle out in the desert, but they time travel back 150 years and suddenly they're like, oh, we can't vote, but there's like a hot lady who's all beaten up in a carriage. We should go hang out with her and go on adventures. <laughs> I like I like your fan fiction here. But... Yeah, the fighting suffragettes. <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, the only media I partook of this week was um, uh, the fourth episode of Tales from the Borderlands came out this week. That game continues to be really, really fun and yeah. a really good time. Any particular reason why? I think it may be holistically my favorite Telltale game. Damn. Um, just good characters, good writing, good just, yeah. just everything? It's just an enjoyable time. I feel like it's kind of... Um, all of the telltale elements are kind of firing on all the cylinders. Like, mm-hmm. it is very much so just kind of, I feel like all of the telltale kind of tricks and tropes are kind of at their 
are all at a really good tick in this game. Okay. I like the music and you. I mean, it's got like pretty much an all-star cast of contemporary voiceover actors doing really good performances. You've got Nolan North and Troy Baker and um, uh, Jennifer Bailey, who's one of my favorites. You got Ashley Johnson. Jennifer uh, who? And Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Bailey, not Jennifer Hale. Oh, who, who? What else does she play? Um, she was my favorite. She's been a voice actor for forever. She did my favorite. Um, uh, my boss in Saints Row. Okay. And she oh, that that lady. Okay, yeah. Age. All, I have, yeah. all I have to do is say favorite boss from Saints Row, and I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, it's, they're just all. And Patrick Warburton shows up, and then you get to hear Troy Baker doing his Patrick Warburton impression, which is really good. <laughs> that's cool. It's just it's just no, a fun guy time. I Especially can't recommend. Again, Borderlands. You think no one well, cares about thing. that, but you do not have to have any interest or connection to Borderlands to enjoy yeah. this game. Is Handsome Jack still? Is he a thing in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He is uh, an antagonist. I would not say the antagonist, but okay. he is president, and he's a going con- president. I should say. And so the purchasers are probably getting some kind of rigid- residual paycheck for every purchase of that game. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know. Uh, I know Anthony did some writing for the game from mm-hmm. some minimal writing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the game very much. Yeah. Have you been watching the new hops? Yeah, yeah. They seem to be rec- recorded a while ago too. It seems like they recorded a bunch of episodes like two years ago and just like kind of putting them out now. But I'm glad to see that hop is back. Um, yeah, yeah I'm so glad Bill, to see you really like Borderlands though. Yeah, it just I I have to say that if you have even a small if you've never played a Telltale game and have interest in it, this is a really good entry. Again, regardless of how you feel about Borderlands or relationship to Borderlands, or even if you have no awareness of it, Aww. and uh, I, if if you enjoy like character based comedy, it's just a fun fun time. I the only other stuff I've been doing this week. Uh, do you gave up on Fallout Shelter a while ago, right? Uh, it died on my. I, I downloaded it on my iPad, and my uh-huh. iPad was old enough that it kind of gave up and it stopped working. I started a second vault, maxed it out. And, <laughs> I can't uh, believe kinda... you maxed. I've been playing for three straight months, and I still have not maxed out my vault yet. Well, it depends on your philosophy. And, yeah. and now I'm now I'm playing it on my Android, and my goal is to have the perfect vault, not just reach it. You Whoa, know, okay. I'm curious to see what your idea of a perfect vault is then, yeah. Growing it organically, making okay. sure that you have all characters in play and everyone playing to their strengths and developing new strengths. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going I... for the perfect vault. I thought I had beaten the game a month ago because I finally unlocked the Nuka-Cola factory, which seems to be the hardest to unlock uh room in fallout shelter and then i was like okay i unlocked that that's really like there's nothing really left to unlock in the game that's new but then i was like well i want to i want to max out that factory i want to see the what the most evolved version of the nuka cola factory is so after two weeks i finally upgraded that to like maximum output and everything then like that and then i was like oh man i should really like try to max out everyone's stats and so right now my mission is to take everyone in the vault and give them 100 percent stats for all their stuff like the, for whoa, whoa, everything everything and Dear i've got about Lord. 144 characters in my vault about a good third of them are all completely maxed out jesus phil and i didn't also realize that with the uh android release of the game they also updated the uh the Apple version, the iOS version, mm-hmm. to include like new Deathclaw attacks. Yeah, which will fuck up your place. It's Deathclaws, yeah. and even my, even my uh, vault, which like I said is is still filled with a third of everyone's got perfect fucking stats, good guns, armor, and everything like that. Still, the Deathclaws can get can almost get through a whole third of my vaults. 
Yeah. And almost yeah. kill everyone in that first third. Like, yep. unless I pay really special attention. It's fucking crazy. I don't know how people with, like, lesser evolved vaults can survive, like, these attacks. And they happen pretty regularly now, too. I think they I think they only happen as your vault gets larger. Because yeah. I've been very conscious of that because I, um, like I said, I started vault from scratch. And I've been taking a very deliberate approach to it. And I didn't have a single Deathclaw attack until, like, maybe I had about 70 residents. I've had a I wonder if they're throwing a whole bunch of Deathclaw attacks at me because my characters are so relatively well prepared, so they're just like, well, we're gonna you've, you've essentially leveled up enough, we can keep on throwing Exactly. I think it's scaled to your your number of people and how um, how how leveled you are. Yeah, it's so it's such a fucking time waster, too, because it's not even necessarily yeah. a good design game, because what? You unlock everything pretty quickly, so really it is just kind of like management stuff. There's it's no really tiny tower! To it's That's tiny it fucking is. tower. Um, I keep on... I refuse to put any women in the service industry areas, no restaurants or anything like that, because <laughs> I'm still just... Yeah, the, the gender stuff in that game is a little... Broken. Yeah. yeah, the fact that pregnant ladies can't even wield guns! I yeah, can't so believe that shit! In Fallout Shelter, you can give women guns, but and they it, won't use normally them they'll fight, attack them. But if, if they're pregnant, they, they run away from That's any threat. That's what it is, if they're pregnant, yeah. They'll run away from fires, and they'll run away from, like, brad roaches or mole rats or dust I mean, technically, I can understand, like, the thing, if you're pregnant, you just want to put as much room between yourself and danger as possible. But See, fucking I... use the fucking gun when your back's against the wall. Here's the thing. I have no problem with the pregnant women running away from a fire. Sure. Yeah, I'll everyone should be running away from... It should be the but, people with the lowest intelligent quotient that are staying to stick to, to fight the fires. I genuinely um, think that it is a design flaw that... I think if you have a mother... Any, and if you have a mother yeah. whose child is threatened, they should get more aggro. Yeah. Like I feel like that should be a design element that women, like pregnant women, will when challenged should will get, be like, more an aggressive. Yeah. And you have to, exactly, and then you have to be more careful that they don't get themselves killed. Uh, are you still getting new characters and stuff in your vault? Yeah. What are you naming them? With this vault, I'm just letting them have their default names. Oh, really? Because my vault, it's all like fucking snack. Snack names. I got lava cakes, ecto cooler, all of that kind of slim jim. <laughs> it's it's funny because instead of just like naming them like after like straight up uh, snack names, I'm trying to get creative so it kind of is kind of like a name, but also a snack name. <laughs> so like slim jim, that could be a nickname, but it's also a snack. And so that, it's see, and it's funny when names. they start breeding and start having kids. So I have like the cakes family. So I have like lava cakes. Yep. Like little Debbie cakes, like all this, all fucking crazy. Like, what well, I Ecto Cooler started braiding, and so I've got the Cooler family, and so I have to come up with like names, like first names always have to be something related to Cooler, like you know, fucking Capri Sun Cooler, and like all you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, the onus of naming all the characters is getting a little too much for me. Yeah, well, see, I stopped breeding. I actually shut down. Uh, because I'm getting actually close to the 200 character limit, and so I shut down breeding, and I've actually got a line of 10 people outside the vault that I won't let in, because I've got two radio stations that keep up uh -huh. the happiness and all throughout the vault, but I they keep on bringing in new uh, uh, dwellers from the wasteland that I don't mm -hmm. want, because otherwise I'd fill up my whole vault super quickly, and I'm not set up to do that, so I've got this permanent waiting list, waiting line outside the front <laughs> vault. And, uh, I don't know, stupid. Who do you send out to, uh, into the wasteland from your, from your vault? Uh, the game randomly will give, will reward you with, like, higher stat characters. Yeah. And I'll invariably send No, but who do you out. send out into the wasteland to look for stuff? Those Anyone? higher, those higher those stat guys? characters. Oh, yeah. okay. 
I one of my the first character one of the first special characters they gave me was a super badass lady. I forget what her name is. Her, ma- her name's like Michelle Dockery or something like that. But she's a super bad, super badass uh, super trooper with armor and everything like that. And she came with like a giant like machine gun. And so I've been sending her out, and I've been training other yeah. women to go out too. Because like I've had this army of super badass ladies going out like scavenging the wasteland for me. But yeah, that's been Fallout, and I've just been watching shitloads of Great British Bake Off. Man, we, we watched the first episode. We haven't watched anyone since. Oh, yeah? Did we only watch that first episode together? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's been three episodes so far, and what's really confusing me is that I still have not seen all of the older Great, Great, uh, Great British Bake Off. And so mm-hmm. I've been going back, and this week I've watched most of the third season. Yeah. And I'm right to the finale. Last night I got to the last episode of the third season. I'm all super fucking hyped. It's the first all-male finale. Mm-hmm. And man, that's a good fucking show. Yeah, yeah I'm super man. fucking hyped. They got this one guy, James. He looks like this. If if Harry Potter and Ron Weasley had a kid, that's what this kid would be. He's red oh, hair. He's, he's from my fan fiction. So you're telling me? Yeah, and he's actually really cute. He's only like 21 years old, and he consistently amazes everyone with the experimental flavors in his stuff. And he experiments there because sometimes he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I like the combination of these flavors. I hope you like them too. And then consistently kicks ass and there's this older gay guy named brendan who makes the nicest little frilliest little stuff that fucking paul hollywood keeps on being like man it looks pretty but it's a little bit like too twee for me and i'm like fuck you paul hollywood it looks awesome <laughs> and it's like we'll see who wins tonight but yeah, yeah i'll probably end up watching that while i'm actually editing the podcast today so big off is it's so good. good yeah so on that there's nothing to talk about if you haven't watched the new episodes too because yeah i had people over last saturday night to watch the most recent episode, and yeah, people got into it. There's actual drama in that shit. We're all super yeah. bummed. Like maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, the thing about Big Off that's so great is that the drama genuinely just comes from the challenges. It's yeah. not any artificial drama between people. But everyone's in really fact, nice to each other. It's not like yeah, it's not people like help each other. They've got each other's back. Shit talking each other. But yeah, you yeah. really want everyone to win, and it's a real heartbreaker whenever they have to kick someone off at the beginning. Yeah, or at the end of yeah. the, every episode. At the beginning, though. I always wonder in the Great British Bake Off when they when they pick the twelve people they're going to have in that in any uh, any particular season. I always wonder how much if I wonder if they always truly pick the twelve best contenders out of the people edition that year, or if they always pick three or four people they know aren't going to go all the way, but like still maybe kind of entertaining to watch or something like that because there's always like two or three fuck-ups you know from like the first five minutes of the first episode they ain't getting they, they they're not sure. making to the end and they do end up failing out within like the first three episodes and that sure. happens consistently with, with every season where you're like that person seems nice but like i know more about baking than they seem to which that is not a good thing if they're on the great british bake-off but i don't know i'm always i always wonder about the social engineering i don't know i think there's also a show like that uh, that that you know that is a good point, but I also always wonder how people people perform within regular contexts and either even in a pressured context yeah. context of being judged in an application process. But when you actually have lots and lots of cameras pointing at you and lights on you and makeup on your face, I and, know like, it's a all that thing. shit. You know, it's like I, no, I can, yeah, I can barely keep myself composed for a podcast, much less being <laughs> in front of like you know Paul and Mary and. But like exactly. there's 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 a there's a chubby Indian lady in the third season who, watching it, I just want to reach my hands for the TV and be like, stop what you're doing, you're fucking. Even I know not to do what it is that you're doing, and she just got kicked off of a couple episodes where she was making, I think she was like making a banana pie, 
And it was great because she was describing what she was going to make to Paul and Mary. And Paul and Mary are looking at her like she's out of her fucking mind. Because all she's going to do is like make make a bunch of bananas, put whipped cream on top. And they're like, is that there's no there's not going to be like any real filling for your pie. It's just going to be a bunch of like like whipped cream and like fruit, but no like no binding agent, no like actual core to the pie. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, it'll be fantastic. And she makes the pie and they come out. They cut the pie and it just goop because there's no like meat yeah. to the pie. And she's they're yeah. like, You just made whipped cream and, and bananas. This isn't a pie. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but it's just funny because even before she bakes it, Paul and Mary are looking at her. More than I've ever seen Paul and Mary kinda like not even the evil eye, but they're kinda stunned. More than I've ever seen them talk to anyone else before. They're just like, uh <laughs> like, okay. And it does fall apart. I feel bad for it, but at the same time, sure. even though I even even me, I'm watching at home saying you gotta do something more. That's not. That's not gonna work. That's gonna fall apart. Yeah. Anyway, Pals, we've so. said it before. We've said it again. Bake Off is good shit. It's it good. is. Whether you like reality television or not, whether you like baking or not, yeah, Bake Off shit. is good. That's the thing. I don't know shit about baking. And that one thing, I was like, you're fucking up. And I'm just like, ah, it's gonna. And I feel bad because again, all these people are nice, and that that's a nice lady. So I'm not like rooting for her to get kicked off. And I'm just like, no, I want to reach the TV and be like. I can help you. Like, 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 let me suggest something. I want to time travel back to that fucking tent out in the middle of the perfect yep. English field and just knock on the gl- knock on the, on the, on the tent and go. Don't do what you're doing. <laughs> Put some sponge cake in there for Christ's sake. You know, Bill, do how would that? How would that? Can you just imagine if suddenly you're watching Bake Off and there is you tapping on the side, like on the on the plastic? There's the just the a flash and this fat, fat, sweaty white American guy knocking on the plastic window. Put sponge cake on you're it. Walking out. The worst Doctor Who. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, with that, friends, yeah. we're gonna take a little break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week in review. That's why he said, "I need someone to love me, need somebody to carry me home to San Francisco and bury my body there." All right, pals, thank you for joining us uh, on the Boy Hattie Podcast. It is time now for the Geek Week interview. For those of y'all playing along with home, this is the part of our podcast where Bill has a list of uh, the news in the week that was, and I am reading it oftentimes for the first time. So, Although, to be fair, this first news item you sent to me this week. I wouldn't even know about this one for you. This is true. The first note here is quote motherfucking lego winter toy shop unquote oh yeah for some reason i have a particular particular that is a new word i just invented i have a particular soft spot in my heart for winter and christmas themed lego sets Mm -hmm. and uh the first big lego set i bought was the lego winter cottage which was like a little ski cottage with snow on the roof and christmas lights and stuff like that and the best feature was a fireplace that actually lit up and so I guess this is a reissue of a set from like five or six years ago, but it's like a little toy shop that has like a little light up toy shop in it. Yeah, this is a really cute Lego set. Yeah, there's there's yeah. carolers and there's people out and like there's a nice big old tree. And... That tree is cool. Yeah, this is a good set that has a lot of Benton potential. I feel Do you like think those so? two, those two carolers. Okay, oh, so it I looks didn't like on. That. The dude caroler, they're actually using a Dracula torso. <laughs> I guess, well, it's Lego, so you gotta repurpose stuff as you can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the lady, 
The lady <laughs> caroler, though, she has a torso, a unique torso that could be good for Ben. Um, there's a Jack in the Box that looks like the like the Harvey Comics eat like the little Jack in the Box logo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, this got me thinking though, uh, because I'm like, if I get this and I already have the Lego Winter Cottage, I need to get. Uh, back at the uh, Portland Lego Festival back in February, we found a guy who was selling Lego trees, and not just like the little like, uh, like little like pre-made like Lego trees you get in some sets. Like this, this has a couple like. Uh, uh, what's it called? Fir trees. They're like, like the little, pine trees. Yeah, yeah they're like little the pine molded. trees, but they're like uh, like cone-like little comb mm-hmm. things. Uh, this guy was selling like big, deciduous, like really organic-looking trees, kits that you could put together. What I want to do is order from him like a couple winter tree sets that it would essentially just be a tree trunk with a big bunch of like white studs sticking off in a very kind of organic kind of way. Uh, he didn't have any winter trees when... He, when we saw him at the uh, Portland uh, uh, Lego Festival, but I saw on his website he is actually from Portland too. We should go raid oh, his really? house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you said you wanted a couple things from him too, so I may actually place an order in the next month or two uh, from him for a couple trees. So if there's anything you want that I can grab for you, let me know. Yeah, um, absolutely. They have um, they have some uh, Lego like weeds, so to speak. Yeah, that I saw that. The, yeah, and some Lego the Lego bags? grass stalks, but they're in different colors. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you need it, so I might get a couple trees. Uh, yeah, no, it's really nice. Like when I got the detective agency set. Um, I put out, like, a big, nice, like, springtime tree in front of it. Mm-hmm. It just looked really nice and organic, and kind of adds, adds some extra oomph to those sets. Yeah. That's really nice. It's interesting, because this guy very clearly caters to the Lego train community. Oh, is like that the, what it is? Okay. Yeah, the, the Lego the train community and, yeah. is, like, kind of its own little offshoot. Because then you've got tr- model train nerds and Lego nerds and, like, their oh, own little bastion. That's, that's a volatile combination, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he has these trees and he does tracks and all these architectural elements that are really designed to build bridges. Okay. I actually have some of those architectural elements because I want to build a bank for Benton. Though uh-huh. I keep I keep going back and forth because I'm like, Benton wouldn't have a fancy bank. Yeah, would probably have... West, yeah. It'd be a crappy little bank. It'd but be I an outhouse full of coins. I kind of want to. My, my what I'm thinking in the fiction of Benton is I want it to be like that bank at the start of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Okay, yeah. Where 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 uh, Butch is walking through and it's like he's seeing all the security measures in it and he's and he's <laughs> like, what happened to the old bank? It was beautiful and it's like people kept robbing it and uh, so I think that's gonna be my fiction that uh, the Benton Bank kept getting held up so they had to upgrade it. Would you ever actually do a straight up uh, Butch Cassidy sets? I know it won't uh, be compatible with Benton because it's not like that, you know. But oh yeah, I guess you could do a Benton adaptation of like some bits from straight up just adaptation from uh, Butch Cassidy. Nah, see, Benton is its own. I know, its own I know. Creature. Okay, that's it's not, I figured as much, but I thought I'd ask anyway. Benton has its own rich fiction, but I do kind of want to build a cliff like in Butch Cassidy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, at least homages win that. Yeah. Yes. Um, man, homage you slapped me down because you were looking for names for the bars last night, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, obviously, answer is studs because you got horse dudes and it's Lego. That's the obvious like joke." And you were like, N- "You have very specific rules against that." <laughs> I was like, I oh, do. no, it I, actually has to be. You're ta- you really are. You're not even being that cheeky about Benton. Yeah. No, Benton, it, the rules of Benton are twofold. So Benton, for those of you all listening, unfortunately, you probably know this, but uh, <laughs> Benton is my sobriety uh, token that uh, if I ever yeah. drink hard liquor ever again, I have to destroy Benton. Specifically, Foley will set it on fire. So. Oh, um, no. Uh, but anyway, uh, it is my animal western Lego town. 
the the two rules of Benton are that um, no, they don't know they're Lego, so there's no brick related puns yeah, okay, sort of yeah. thing, and they don't think they're animals, yeah. so there's no well, you animal have to play puns. It straight. Yeah, like you said, yeah. like, I understand the rules why they're there and everything like that. It's just yeah. I wasn't quite sure if that was the take. It's very specifically the take you were doing it in terms of like being self aware about stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then you really owned me by coming up with some really good bar names. And those so. are just totally random names. I thought I just thought they would be bullshit. Yeah, I like the no. knaves for some reason. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, my biggest restriction is the reason. So the context of all this was, I am a, a friend of the podcast. Josie and Kelly got me some water decal slides, um, and uh, that you can be basically use to make decals for Lego pieces. Oh, really? okay, what yeah. most uh, what what most modifiers use. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Uh, uh, going to make a, the, the shingle for Benton's Bar, so I have to okay. come up with the name. My first instinct was the last gasp, and I think it actually will be the last gasp, because I think that's going to be the most legible on the scale I need it to be. Yeah, it can't sense, really yeah. be a long name. Uh, but I really like the the trough. I kind of am tempted to try both and see how they look. Anyway, that's been our uh, Lego Corner. <laughs> what are you going to name the brothel, then? The brothel isn't going to have a shingle. It doesn't need a sign that says, come on in. The brothel is going to be, like, cartoon stereotype. Is it going to be mostly women, or is it going to be dudes, or what, what are you going to do It's going to be there? women. It's a small, it's a small western town. The, I think colloquially, colloquially in town, people call it the hired hand. Because I like that joke too much. <laughs> so, but it what, doesn't have a sign or anything. Is there going to be particular species in the brothel? No, it's not like a, 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 in in the fiction of Benton, there are no species that are particularly fetishized versus others. Okay, that was, well, well, I didn't know if, like, there were, like, social strata between the different species or anything, too. Again, you were saying that no one's really aware that they're animals, so it makes sense they wouldn't really be, like, the the, the difference between the species wouldn't be a big thing, but yeah, okay, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't have, like, I don't have, like, a mouse-like larger structure of certain races mean certain species or whatever. I'm just, is Tom Hardy in Black Hawk Down? Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, because, like, yeah, no, this lady, Lindsay Ellis, she she has turned into, man, you guys should hang out with Lindsay Ellis sometime, because she has become such a fucking Tom Hardy convert. Her Twitter feed for the last summer, ever since Fury Road came out, has been nothing but Tom Hardy. And she just posted a picture of Tom Hardy, like, half in shadow, and his pillowy lips are all half in chiaroscuro kind of shadow. And, yeah. Um, I, was, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if you left it to the internet, most of the internet would make all the uh, the, the ladies in the brothel cat girls. Um, there actually are no cat Chima characters. There's some lionesses. Really? But uh, I no, don't like, actually have any no lionesses in the brothel. Is okay. what I now that I think about it. Cool. I've got wolves. Uh, I've got a, some a wolf, uh, a saber toothed tiger, and a bird, and another wolf. That's about it. So anyway, believe it or not, friends, this is the Geek Week in Review. The next note uh, in the week that was is what we do in the shadows sequel incoming. Yeah, super. I don't know if I'm happy to hear about this because uh, what we do in the shadows is was such a fun like little one off movie joke of a movie and it's not like i may have mentioned this before i can't remember if i've actually talked about what we do in the shadows on the podcast before but it's not like knee slappingly like laugh out loud hilarious it's more Mm -hmm. of just kind of a cute very slight premise where it's yeah it's a it's a documentary just uh following around a bunch of like uh vampire housemates in new zealand and so it's Mm kind of cute but it's not like I mean, there are room for there. There is room for a sequel, especially because there's a bunch of werewolves in the movie. So you mm-hmm. could actually just do a whole sequel about the werewolves if you wanted. Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of like it's one more of a spinoff. Kind of like it's almost a better <laughs> off as its own thing. 
But I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But no, it's a very cute movie. You still haven't seen it yet, have you? No, I still haven't seen what things we do in the shadows it's or cute. what we do in the shadows. Yeah, it's not on video, but it's still showing in some of the second run theaters in town and stuff. And I, that's crazy because it's going to be Halloween in two months. They're crazy. It needs to stay in the second run theaters at least until Halloween because that is like a yeah. good Halloween movie. Sounds like it's it. about vampires, but it's funny. It's good. And like, you know, I'm not even all into that vampire shit outside of like Castlevania, but yeah, that no, was good stuff. Oh, movies. Uncharted Collection story trailer plus new modes announced, including an explorer mode, with which largely nerfs combat. Bill would rather have a mode that minimizes combat altogether to focus on the story and create a more cinematic presentation. I know that would take a lot of programming and a lot of, like, cutting a lot of basic content out of the game, but I was a little disappointed to find out that, like, the easy mode in the game is just, like, really nerfing all the combat, but keeping all the combat in there. Because especially, Mm -hmm. like, the first Uncharted game, there's so much more combat than there is like narrative stuff yeah, yeah. that just gets like fucking wearying and but on the, the other hand if you remove the combat then the game that's like the whole design of the game is this I balance you wouldn't be able to get from point a to point b there'd be big gaps in the story if you took out the combat because combat half the combat is taking you from place to place but that's what i'm saying you would have to essentially redesign yeah. the game but i would yeah. love to see what would happen if they made like a three hour cut of an uncharted game yeah. Where it's like an even yeah. mix of narrative and combat and... Yeah. I mean, that's total fantasy. No, that's never going to happen, but, like, that would be what ideal. I didn't, what I didn't know until this trailer was that Naughty Dog isn't doing this remaster, which yeah. makes sense. It's um, mostly Telltale, so the animation is, like, weirdly stiff now. <laughs> kind of like, just choose your own adventure. Like, instead of shooting, they ask you if you want to shoot first. It makes sense because it's three games and going back a whole other console generation. Or no, 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 they were all PS2. I take that back. No, no wait, they're all yeah, PS3. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. But um, no, but it makes it, that's it, a lot of work to do for a studio a that's already making new stuff. Exactly. That's why I was really surprised when Naughty Dog was doing The Last of Us internally. But then mm-hmm. I just kind of like casually Which assumed. I, I suggest you were like, they're not going to do that. I'm like, yeah. Well, because that's so unheard of. I Who know. does an internal remaster? But I figured like, really? that would be what they would use as an excuse to break, to essentially teach people how to like start programming for the PlayStation 4. And that's what they eventually came out and said. That's one sure. of the few times where I suspected something might happen. It actually yeah. turned out not only to be right, right for the same reasons why I thought it might happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm 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 I, I'm I'm gonna I'm looking forward to the Uncharted release. I have to say, fully and I have had a wild hair to go back and replay all the Uncharted. Though I'll tell you that story trailer, which is kind of a big old pulsing reminder of what a terrible man Nathan Drake is to Elena Fisher. <laughs> I didn't even see the story trailer. I'm just going to... I'll play... That game comes out... That collection comes out in, like, a month and a half. I'll just play it then. And, like, I don't need to be reminded of the story of Uncharted. Man, but it's weird he, to Is see he that... just, like, lying to her the whole time? Be like, hey, well, Lena, bleh. Think about the story of Uncharted. It's just him saying, I'm done, but I'm not. I'm... Uh, just gonna go on a milk run, honey, and then he's actually all fucking doing some bullshit. Yeah, because like, doesn't it start, she, he has hired her to, like, document him just, like, fucking around, like, in, in the water off his boat, like, he's just uh, She swimming. is a documentarian there to Oh, they're dredging up, uh, uh, Drake's... Yeah. Sir, Sir Nathaniel Hawthorne Drake's body, and that's where he... Yeah, uh-huh. okay, that's right, that's, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So, anyway, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting this I game. saw they just I finished, uh, Druckmann just, uh, tweeted this week that they finally yeah. finished the mocap sessions for Uncharted 4 this week with, uh... Or with, at least with, for uh, Unlena and, uh, Sully, yeah, so... so. Yeah. Um... Speaking of video games that are coming out soon, do you need to play in, uh, Dishonored again anytime soon? No. I totally forgot that I pre-ordered that and that it comes out this Tuesday. I got an email <laughs> notification from Amazon saying, your uh, pre-order of Dishonored Special Edition has shipped. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't I need would, that 30 bucks. 
I would genuinely like to revisit Dishonored because I did have fun with it eventually. But yeah. Damn, I, I I I had fun with that in that with that game when I had all the powers and everything. Yeah, but I found while. it way too stressful at the like the first half. That's that's why I was hoping there'd be some reviews that might hit a little bit early so I could see exactly if they changed that at all or like maybe include a special mode where you can kind of like fast fast track like the unlocking of some of those powers because yeah because at the beginning you're just kind of walking around just like you have to be very stealthy Mm -hmm. it's really just very kind of like uh just basic stealth game at the beginning and that's that that's the thing that sets dishonored apart from most stealth games that you get these magic powers that let you do crazy shit and it takes a good like four or five hours for even any of that shit to really start kicking in and i mean the the environment is really good the the art design i mean i love the art design of that game yeah, and yeah. I don't know, we'll see what it looks like on on, on next gen hardware, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm really I I, I really enjoyed my time with Dishonored, and I'll probably borrow it from you eventually. But there, we're now that we're getting up to video game season, like, yeah. Well, like as soon as I'm done with my work, I'm gonna fucking plunge right into Shadowrun Hong Kong and oh, okay, just live yeah. there for a couple of weeks. Because well, I know and Dishonored, then all the console stuff is gonna be out. I think the next Dishonored is supposed to hit next, like early next winter, like like January, February, or something like that. And I was like, oh man, that'll be like right around then. I'll be just in. I'll I'll, I'll have like a thirst for kind of Dishonored gameplay again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, but if I play like Dishonored again now, I'm gonna like I don't know. I'm not gonna be. I don't know if I'm gonna be so like dying to play Dishonored two in just like six months, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. see. Um, but yeah, I, I played a little bit of Shadow, Shadowrun Hong Kong this week. First Shadowrun game I played. It's terrible. It's stupid. I op- I, sp- I fired up the game, and they're like, what kind of what kind of class you want? I looked at all the portraits, and I was like, fuck this shit. All these ladies are ugly. And I said, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. And then I, no, I never see the joke it. here. Everybody is that I really love this game. Yeah, and I know, it's really exactly. important to me. Yeah. And so Bill is making a joke where he hates. <laughs> no, I specifically chose a human female because yeah. I actually really did like the portraits. Uh, yeah, they I were the, the best other classes. Portraits. I'm like, none of these classes look. I want to look like a badass femshep again, essentially. And well, I essentially this... redesigned femshep for to play as in in this game. I'm a sh- like short haired, red headed human lady. Uh huh. I, yeah. I fucking... I've only played maybe 30 minutes of Shadowrun Hong Kong. I barely mm. dipped my toes in it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I like the kind of world they're setting up. And uh, I was... Dylan, Dylan, Dylan didn't agree with me. When you first start the game, you, you hang... Was it Duncan and his little yeah. elf buddy? Yeah. His elf girl, she looks like Parker Posey making a weird, like, face. <laughs> Her portrait looks so... It doesn't look bad it just looks a little odd like she's in the middle like making like like talking or something like that like Wah. it's more it's a more of a profile shot than... yeah it's, it's, it's one of the things that... i like about the um the profiles in Shadowrun, and it could be that you're not since this is your game first game you're getting used to it not all of the profiles are just your basic three-quarter bus like some of them they do yeah. things that are a little more um have a little more action to them and have a little more agency to them so yeah, that's, exactly. that's which is not bad. It's just like yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. Well, especially like when you first start off the game, like you have the option to change like hair color, tattoos mm-hmm. and stuff. And I love how you can see how they've layered the thing. So like even with a baked in character portrait, you can see how you can change stuff like 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 the tattoos on their face and stuff like that. Even though mm-hmm. the basic face may stay the same, but you can change the skin color and stuff. And I don't know, it's been a pretty cool little game so far. 
I am. I will forever kick myself that when the Kickstarter came out, I was staring at it, and I regret. You can. It's it's kind of funny when you look through the portraits because you can really tell which portraits were Kickstarter backers. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, here's another round white person. Yep, here's another <laughs> round. I should. I'll be. Here's another round white guy. Here's another cool round white. Do you guy. think when you when, when people submitted for their portraits to be in the game, do you could. Could they choose what race they wanted to be? I think you could. I don't know. They're just, I, I assume because there sure as hell is a lot of humans and elves that are very clearly humans. Yeah, because like I was going to say, I, I, I could see like maybe like, oh man. Which how- is, I, I seriously spent a long time. It was way too much money. It was something like $1,000. But I was staring at it and like, I would be such a cool troll. I just troll. want to be a troll. Give I want to have big old tusks and like big old horns. Oh, I guess it, yeah. The whole nine yards would have been rad. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm really enjoying Hong Kong. Are so the far. trolls like, like all green skinned and everything like that too? No, like the whole like no. oh, they are just like humans, but just kind of like yeah. bulkier and kind of like it's like uh, yeah. uh, I mean, all of the races are in in Shadowrun are they're pretty much they can be of any like to use just general terms like ethnicity okay um they have just standard human skin so they're just like transhumans at that point it's essentially just a human variant like a troll is not like a giant green pointy-eared monster it's it's just exactly just a burly human yeah okay yeah there is there is stuff in the fiction for what happened and like there's a i think like there's some sort of and i'm officially showing my ass here because i have no i'm not (laughs) into the lore of shadowrun i haven't quite gotten that yeah but i think like it sometime in the late to like in the 2000s in the 21st century there was some sort of event that kind of ripped open the world and all of a sudden like you know these non-human species started appearing and magic became a going concern and like there was some sort of thing that happens that you know yeah that's why i wasn't quite sure if it was like aliens or like some kind of monster started showing up or if people just just got turned into different like races yeah yeah yeah, I'm not sure to be honest with you. I All I know pretty, is that I love Shadowrun. I would love for something it. like that to happen. I suddenly I wake up tomorrow as a super sexy elf and just confound everyone, and like my entire <laughs> life would end just because of oh, Christ. I'm an elf. Like my entire sense of self has been completely. Bill, just fucking what warped. if you woke up this, tomorrow morning and you're uh, Christina Henderson with pointy ears or whatever her name is? Christina Hendricks. No, fuck. What's her name? Yeah, no. What from Mad Men? Yeah, and big tits and everything like that. Yeah, what if you're her tits, with pointy ears like, tomorrow morning? Yeah. Say no to that. I'd be down with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, oh, and I wouldn't I really say no if I woke up tomorrow running Tom Hardy with big old horns and tusks either. So I can't see uh, that's that's an interesting thing because like as as girls like it's a power th- empowering thing to become a, like a Tom Hardy whereas the Christina Hendricks thing the, to be the thing you want to fuck but like the the, the the gender thing that's a, like a slightly different question but that's still very interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Not to say you can't be empowered and be Christina Hendricks, but uh-huh. usually women are so objectified with the idea that, like, yeah, I'd be Christina Hendricks. Yeah, fuck yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. I'd have to wear Spanx all the time. That'd be unfortunate, but... <laughs> in other news, in the Geek Week interview... Um, so I didn't realize, did you see what Spanx's fucking lo- slogan is? Put power in your panties? I did not see that. <laughs> Natalie Morales, who played uh, Tom Haverford's girl, uh, yeah, girlfriend on Parks and Recreation, uh, she was tweeting about how she was in the costume fitting for a new role for something that she's on, and she had to put on Spanx, and she like uh, uploaded a photo of the Spanx packaging, and the logo says, put power in your panties. And she's like, I don't know if I really want to do, <laughs> do what you're asking me here. Spanx is one of those is a necessary evil where I ignore all marketing around it because it's all kind of obnoxiously yeah, it's, like, it's not like you know 
yeah, it's, it's not actually inherently bad or anything. But. Uh, so I deliberately ignore its logo and yeah. uh, all its marketing materials and everything. So no, I've never, though I own many a Spanx, I've never partaken of its uh, Yeah, it still blows my before. mind. Yeah, I'm really surprised that you own Spanx stuff. Most, dude, most women, you need to poll the women you know, and the majority of them will, my friend. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm going to wear new- Spanx for the MB Bim Bam thing this friday <laughs> new nintendo patent suggests the next console may not have an optical disc drive and will connect to a controller with the screen yeah just a patent that was just published just like uh day before yesterday just shows yeah nintendo just uh, filing a patent for a video game console that has no uh that you can't put any uh, discs into or anything like that but yeah it just interacts wirelessly with a controller with a screen which that fits in with some, what some people were suspecting that the next uh, nintendo console would be where the actual console more or less would live like in a ds or something like that it would connect to like an apple tv style device that uh, connects to your tv so essentially you'd be playing portable games that just kind of kick out to your tv <laughs> um so, and that's one p- thing people have been suggesting, and this this could work that way. Um, of course, this could be a full-bodied real console that just, for some reason, you just download games rather than ever actually having to buy the games at retail. Sure, um, sure. They, even that, that in itself would be kind of interesting. Either either way, yeah. if this actually turns out to be true, either thing would be very interesting, where it's just a download-only thing or something that is just, just connects to... Uh, hand, not even not even really controlled, but it would be its own separate handheld that you can disconnect from from this base unit and take with you and play mm. on the go. And then yeah. come home and play it on your TV if you wanted. Uh, either of those ideas are legit. Uh, Grumpy Turtle, I was hanging out with him yesterday, Daniel Rudis, and he mentioned, well, just because they filed a patent for this, that doesn't actually mean that it's going to come to market. Um, sure. If everything, if 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 everything of console manufacturer patented ever came to market, then would be yelling McDonald's at all over Sony <laughs> PlayStation's. Right, right. Um, but I don't know, it's just an interesting thing that just came up, especially with the rumors that the uh, the next Nintendo console will be hitting next year, next fall. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll probably get an announcement, more details about that next spring, because that's usually January. Nintendo starts announcing like new hardware stuff. So sometime in the next month, we month we might be getting more firm details about this stuff. Yeah, so. it's a weird time in games, my friends. Seriously, yeah. Haley Atwell wants to be the next Doctor Who, which seems to be fine with everyone else on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I would that would give me watching Doctor Who. Did again. you see the original exchange where someone was just asking her if she wants to be on Doctor Who? No. Oh, and fully turning around, kind of giving eyes yeah, about that. that. Yeah, attention. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, somebody, I think it was just somebody on Twitter, just asked uh, Haley Atwell, star of Agent Carter, uh, who also plays Peggy Carter in the Avengers movies and and, and Captain America and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I just asked her if she wants to be on Doctor Who, and she said. I would want to be Doctor Who. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm doing that shit. Fuck <laughs> Peter Capaldi. Get fucking Halle Atwell on that shit. <laughs> how, how is Doctor Who doing ratings-wise with Peter I Capaldi? Because, like, yeah, they just... Their their first season with Peter Capaldi wrapped last year. And it's actually a pretty good season. Ratings-wise, I don't know how it's doing, especially because you've got this old guy. At least the other Doctors were relatively young guys, and there were a lot of girls who were like, oh, that's so-and-so, they're so hot and sexy. Now it's an old man who looks like an old woman. Because he's got, like, this crazy hair, and even in this new season that's going to start in a couple weeks, they kind of gave him grandma hair. He kind of looks like one of the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. And just, like, and he's just dressed like an old magician, and he's still, the, the episodes are still being written by Stephen Moffat, who has been... Chari- you can describe charitably as being a dis- divisive 
uh, creator for the show. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it's you, I see a lot less people talking about Doctor Who these days than there were just yeah. even a couple of years ago. Even the Matt Smith stuff. Matt Smith was definitely considered a kind of like decline in ratings from the uh, who's the other guy, the tenth Doctor, the one that everyone loved. Um, uh, dude, bro, Snickerdoodle, yeah. yeah. But even, but even Matt Smith seems to be more popular than Peter Capaldi guy. But that's just me just seeing how people are talking about Doctor Who online. That's not like yeah. medical stuff. But uh, but yeah, Haley Atwell would be fucking great. That would be that would be a lot of fun. Oh man, not no Helen Mirren, but what is? Well, that's you know? well, you know, I kind of like this thing because when people were talking about who should play a female Doctor Who, everyone just went oh Helen Mirren. But I like the show. Like when they were first suggesting that Haley Atwell was still kind of relative unknown, this just shows that there's plenty of people out there who could play a major character like Doctor Who that you may not even heard of now. But if you found them in the wild, they would love to be Doctor Who and make a great choice for that. So, so you know, there are there are potential ha- Helen Mirrens all around. Us. Yeah, young sexy. Sexy, oh, not not young, sexy, but young, sexy, er, Helen Mirrens, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right, moving on. Uh, Justin Bailey and an old Double Fine dev unveiled Fig, which is essentially Kickstarter for games that allows people to purchase actual equity in game development. Tim Schafer, a bunch of other Double Fine guys, including the guy who made Wasteland Two, those aren't Double Fine dudes. No, I, Brian no, Fargo. So, according to Brian, Polygon, the guy who made Wasteland Two is an ex Double Fine developer. Brian Fargo? That's what on... they said. Either that or my reading comprehension skills have taken a hit. Mm, not so... Because he's been, like... He's oh. always been, like, not, like... He's kind of been indie as he hasn't been, like, part of a company. Well, he's been... What, what the fuck is his studio? Oblivion or, uh... Yeah. Oh, maybe no, I, I always read that wrong. Gearbox? No, 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 no. I, I'm conflating him with uh, the other... In, in Exile. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. He's uh, been in Exile Entertainment forever. would like to issue a clarification... <laughs> Uh, Bill doesn't know anything about who works at Double Fine or who doesn't or what, but, um, yeah, but the end point is that, like, yeah, uh, somebody has created a Kickstarter alternative that d- will offer, I guess right now they're offering, offering people who, uh, have a million dollars or more to offer equity, but in the future they want to make it so that anyone who offers cash, even if you're only supplying, like, ten bucks, technically you're buying a stake in that game, so if that game makes money, you will make some kind of a profit off of it. I thought the limit was a thousand dollars. Last again, I may have read an entirely <laughs> wrong article. They said million dollars, so, which to me seems like, yeah, that's a very specific audience. Yeah, that's not really the, open the, to the public. The devs involved are Tim Schafer from Double Fine, who did the obviously the Broken Age Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, Brian Fargo, who did the Wasteland Kickstarter. Um, I'm now blanking on his name, but he's from Oblivion, who did the Pillars of Eternity Kickstarter. No, okay. And so these guys know what they're talking about. They're not bullshitting. Yeah, I mean, the, well, they're just the advisory board, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, they're not actually involved they're not in part this of the company. company, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, any, it's an interesting idea, and uh, my big thing, what I thought was really interesting, uh, they launched with this one particular Kickstarter, and uh, now for this game that won an IGF award, and looks kind of cool, but um, what I really loved is that the, the layout is very reminiscent of Kickstarter, but a little different, and when you land on it, the the page, they, they first kick you into about a one-minute video that is just a, a kind of an in-universe pitch for the game, which I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I clicked on the second one, and it's a six-minute video that starts with the skit of some of the developers and Tim Schafer and Brian Fargo around no. a fire. And, uh, and I just, like, I got about 15 seconds into the skit before I just closed the video, First closed the window, and First rule of Kickstarter, any kind of crowdfunding shit. 
Get to the fucking point. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian Fargo with his Wasteland Kickstarters would all, he he very famously opened uh, the Kickstarter with the skit where he was trying to pitch kicks uh wasteland to uh just another grizzled exec who happened to be like an eight-year-old boy and it yeah. was like got him a lot of acclaim so i'm well, sure they were trying to riff on that videos that have been that have not gotten to the point that have still been attention grabby and still and still worked but more often than line. not it, 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 it you benefit from just like saying what's what you can still be cute and funny and charming it's just yeah. don't let don't force people to sit through like a saturday night live skit yeah just to hear what the basics of what it is that you're offering, yeah. To be fair, they did open with, like I said, they had a one-minute video that was the landing oh, video. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then if you clicked, I thought it was cool that they had the option to embed additional videos and additional assets. But woof, I was I was like, sure, tell me more. And imagine and how then, much things be- in the world work better when you have to watch a Looney Tunes cartoon before you actually get to see what it is that they're talking about. <laughs> See, but I really like Looney Tunes cartoons. That would be a consensual thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! So for the other podcast that I'm on, Tardy to the Party, which just launched this week, uh, I'm going to start watching Animaniacs for the first time this week. (laughs) Oh, wow. Speaking of Looney Tunes, yeah, that's going to be... I've already already gotten some episodes in. It's going to be... Yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about this because you will kill me. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, Animaniacs is interesting. It's not quite as extreme a difference as Tiny Toons was, but yeah. with Animaniacs, it really depends on which animation studio was working on which episode. Oh, really? That's the, It's that kind of thing, yeah. Well, and I mean, because the writing, you know, is pretty much consistently what it is, mm-hmm, but yeah. you'll have some uh, some bits that are really nicely animated, really thoughtfully done, yeah. and others that are not. Because I've seen some clips <laughs> from Animaniacs, and some of the stuff I just started watching right now looks fucking rough. Yeah. And I was like, to man, this is like... Yeah, well. Yeah, I have not watched Animaniacs since it was on the air, pretty much. Yeah. So well, if you want, I, I got you. Animaniacs to share if you'd like. So no, thank you. Uh, it's like one of those things, like Tiny Toons or Tailspin or any other number of cartoons of my youth. I'm fine with them being in my youth. And as I totally a fond forgot memory. Animaniacs. The Animaniacs are only half of every episode. The other half is like other random critters that I don't even know oh, what yeah. the fuck these people are. <laughs> like what the hell? Let's is see, this? there's Pinky and the Brain. Was yeah, which I know those guys uh, at least. But there's like chipmunks and squirrels and pigeons and shit doing stuff. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot the good feathers. Yeah. Which is, for some goddamn reason, a Goodfellas joke. <laughs> and it's, that's the whole shtick. It's Goodfellas yeah. for kids and they're birds and that's it. There are a lot of good feathers segments. It's like if they did a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross cartoon every week. Uh, what's the name of the grandma squirrel? Is that that's the right. one with the, the bag that hits people? Yeah. She's all cranky and just like, I'm sure yeah. someone's jerking off to her, but like, yeah, it's... I See, the thing that I really liked about Animaniacs is that it was when I was a little older and I was really getting into voice work and I yeah. really liked all the... Vo- I just now <laughs> randomly remember, oh, the joke of her was that she was in vaudeville or silent films <laughs> or something in like the dawn of cinema and now yeah. she's older and her whole thing is that she's crotchety and she's like, kids today, they don't understand what humor is. And I like, every time there'd be some sort of old school slapstick sort of joke she would always turn the camera and go now that's comedy <laughs> and that was like her fucking that's it that's the joke that's it it's it's a very special show Bill, wugga, wugga, wugga. oh woof, man woof. oh the other thing that convinced me to watch the show is grumpy troll mentioned that bernadette peters is on there yeah oh man what is her oh she's she rita a sexy and runt. cat oh my god i am having extreme recall that was another one yeah uh-huh. rita and runt um and yeah, she was Rita on Rita and Run. Oh man, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm look. I'm gonna learn all about this myself firsthand. 
Those were the days. <laughs> All right, friends. Uh, let's see what else is on our Geek Week in review. Uh, let's see. Uh, this week, the Goonies house here in Astoria was finally closed to the public. That's right. Uh, here in uh, 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 Goonies was filmed in Astoria, Oregon, on the coast here. And the house in Goonies is actually like a house in Astoria. And uh, it has been a kind of casual place where people would go and uh, pay homage to the Goonies. And the owner was finally like, please oh get my. off my yard. They put a tarp oh over the house. And yeah, put it pretty much sucks. Saying, the Goonie house is closed. Go the fuck home. So this last week was, the th- or I should say this last summer was, I think, the 30th anniversary of the It is the 30th anniversary. So it makes sense it was stuck out this long, and then they're like, okay, guys, this is, well, yeah, we need to. I-, I feel like this was the straw, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because the, the city of Astoria did a huge, like, marketing push where there was like, yeah, it's the summer of the Goonies, and, like, to get people to come and visit. And yeah. I'm sure that that, because they, they uh, one of the uh, local uh, authorities, to phrase it clumsily, was said that they were getting between, like, um, 1,000 to 1,300 visitors to the house a day during this summer. Oh, and like, okay, let's say this that this is that, a civilian house. Like, yeah, this it's that's not set up for that kind of thing. Yeah, I saw some people on Twitter being like, you know, being crabby about this person shutting it down. But let's say that that number is too high. Let's say it's a quarter of that. Let's say two hundred and fifty people showed up to your house every day. Every day. Jesus Christ! That's I'm like kind of with the homeowner on this one. People outside your house every day. You leave the house to go to the grocery store. You have to shove past a crowd of people just to get, let you leave your house. Yeah, yeah. And like, and like, and, and like, they've owned this house for about ten years, and like, they've been here a while, and this interest has only really grown. Yeah. In, That's, in the last, it's interesting. If they've really only only owned the house so far, if it was the same owners who owned the house when they first filmed the movies thirty years ago, that's that would be one thing. But I'm surprised if if that house has been bought and sold anytime in the last like decade. I'm surprised the city of Astoria itself didn't offer to like set. It would behoove the city to just buy that house and turn that into a Goonies yeah. museum. Well, see, that was my first thought. It was like, well, my, my, I should say my first thought was sympathy with the homeowner. The second thought was a little bit of uh, victim blaming a little bit, where it's like, you own the goddamn Goonies house. Yeah, that's the other thing. When you buy that house and you're going to live in that house, you should know what you're getting into if you do but any kind of a check. I don't know. If you're, when you buy the house, maybe like five people are showing up a week. Yeah, that's it's a good like, point. Okay, and this summer sure. is special because it is the 30th anniversary and like they did. Yeah. But you have to know. Like, whoever sold the house to them should have been like, you know, every, like, every, like, anniversary of this movie coming out, like, every, like, five or ten years, there's going to be an uptick in strangers in your fucking lawn. Like, people parking on their yard, leaving yeah. garbage, like, uh, wandering on their porch without permission a, and I shit. I stole a piece of gravel from their yard once <laughs> when I went up there and stole, like, See? a little pebble. you've been there. You're part of the problem. I feel I, I feel a little sympathetic, especially because, okay, I'm a homeowner in Astoria. I bought the house 10 years ago when Astoria was not necessarily in a, a, a place that people wanted to go. Right now, Astoria is kind of on the up. It's kind of where the Portland hipsters are going to retire. Yeah. And uh, in their, in, when they peak in the 26, and, uh, um, <laughs> So, so the the face of Astoria is changing. So it's like if you are an Astorian and you sell your house today, you are gonna have trouble buying an, like a house in Astoria anyway, because now it's all it's where everyone wants to be. So it's yeah, like it's a not point, a great yeah. situation to be in. I've seen a lot of it. people because people are being driven out of Portland because the property rates and everything are going yeah. up. I've heard a lot of people talking about how they plan to move to Idaho. 
Idaho. I'm like, what is in Idaho? And people are like, Idaho. That's the, that might be the next Portland. We're gonna like have a little colony there of like ex-Portland people. And I'm like, good luck in Idaho. <laughs> I mean, huh. it sounds like you could live there for five dollars a week, but like, yeah, I don't know, Idaho. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I am inclined to just find a small town. Uh, Portland is starting to get to me a little bit. I love my house and I love Portland, and but I'm thinking like in 20 years, will I still want to be here? Probably not. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know. And I'm like, where, so Fully and I have been talking, like, where would we go if not here? Could you move back to Texas? I don't know, Texas? man. Full, no, fuck no. You can't pay me enough to go back to Texas. <laughs> no, if for no other reason that beyond the fact that I'm a married homosexual, um, I'm allergic to everything that grows in Texas. What about so the East why Coast? Would I? You've, you've done the South. You've done the West Coast. I don't know. Foley's instinct would be to dr- to move uh, move out to a coastal town, not necessarily Astoria, but like some because she loves the sea. Yeah, so she just saying. wants yeah. to go be out there and sitting on the coast. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's, Did you? It's, there was a picture it. on social media today. It's I guess they're still filming the next season of Vikings right now, and mm-hmm. there was a marriage ceremony that just happened to be taking place on the same beach where they were filming one of the new seasons. Well, a new scene from Vikings, and so there's photos of like a Viking party attacking the uh, <laughs> the wedding party. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's really good. I'm gonna have to investigate this. All right, folks, let's. let's yeah, let's going. go. We gotta go, 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 go. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Yvonne Craig, the original Bat Girl and the Green Orion Slave Girl from Star Trek. I know that she was both. That's that's a heck of a of a roster there. Yeah. So she died. She died of the olds. She was like 86 years old. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, just the first Bat Girl. A lot of great videos popped up online this week of stuff she did. Like I guess in like 1974, she did a great like equal pay for equal work gender uh psa from like and like mm-hmm. it was like it was 10 years since any of the batman people had been in their costume but it's her like you know she's like in her mid like you know she's like like late 30s early 40s now but still dressed as batgirl and yeah. uh i think it's it's batman and robin being tied up and they're about to explode from a bomb and batgirl has to show up and save them and they're like oh batgirl you just showed up in just in time she's like i gonna save you until you pay me equal money for equal work if i'm gonna save you i'm gonna get paid for it and batman and robin are like are you fucking kidding me and she's like fine <laughs> then blow the fuck up you owe me extra pay and they're like I, I, okay and then like that's the end of the scene but it's cute little psas and stuff like that so um yeah yeah okay. so there's you know just like a little piece another last little piece of nerd culture Rumors are that there's going to be a CGI Peter Cushing in Star Wars Rogue One. That's a terrible idea. That can't happen. Hollywood has to get past this point. I thought it must be past the point now where they think they can just go like go back and take, especially because like some of the articles about this have suggested that what they're gonna do is take footage from the first Star Wars movie and just like add like CGI lips or whatever. <laughs> so it would just be like, yeah, like Peter Cushing going. I think that's a good idea that we uh. kill R2-D2 or something. And I, That sounds like total bullshit, but this is the same rumor that came up uh, back when they were making the prequels because everyone's like, well, it's a prequel, so they're going to have a young yeah. CGI Peter Cushing. And yeah. I don't know. So, But it's just, just mm. kind of silly bullshit. Did you see the, 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 the photo of the new cast where it's the, the lead of Rogue One is still a lady? I'm really surprised because the first cast member they announced for the Star Wars spinoff was a lady, but I thought maybe she's just going to be the love interest or something. Like She seems to be the leader of like this bad ass rebel pirate gang yeah it's kind of cool and everyone else is like super badass asian guys and stuff and i don't know it looked pretty cool was that mads mickelson lurking in the background i don't know if he's in that photo but they, that's the other thing they announced the rest of the cast it's mad mickelson yeah. it's fucking mm-hmm. forrest whitaker 
uh-huh. uh, Alan Tudyk is going to be yeah. in it. But yeah, Matt Mickelson. He would yeah. play a perfect Imperial agent or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know, dude. I recommend that all of y'all partake of Valhalla Rising yeah. and imagine Mads Mickelson as that character in the Star Wars universe, and then you'll want him to be a brute thug. Oh, yeah. My friend. Okay, okay. Some sort of wild bruiser. Some people have suggested that if they were ever to bring Grand Admiral Thrawn into the movies... Have Who you- the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do I even explain? Admiral Grand Thrawn. Admiral Thrawn. He's a was, blue dude. He's the blue dude. He's the main antagonist from like those first Star Wars books from like 1990, like the first real expanded universe books that were so popular, like back when you were like seven. <laughs> Uh, I just did a Google image search for Grand Admiral Thrawn, and one of the first results is um, a Benedict Cumberbatch photoshopped to be blue. I can see him, too. But, like, Mads Mikkelsen, I mean, again, this is all fan rumor shit. None of this shit ever pans out, but... That would be kind of, I don't know. I thought they decided that all of that is non-canon. Well, they decided that's non-canon, but they also did come out and say that they reserve the right to pluck out stuff from the non-canon and make canon again if they wanted to. Like, and not even in the same canonical way, but they could recycle non-canon characters now and bring them back in. So sure. they could, I mean, they could bring back Ad- Br- Grand Admiral Thrawn, except now instead of being a blue dude, he's a green lady. They get you Von Craig's kid. So... Thrawn had some sort of lizard pet. It was fucking dumb. He had a lizard pet that was repulsed the Force. So while he was wearing the lizard pet, no Jedi could, like, hurt him with the Force? Sure. So it was fucking dumb. And the name of the pet was, like, the Yajagrasil Yigamigo Boo Boo Oh, it's like... Is what like the like the fucking Viking life tree? Kinda like that. It was like just a bunch of consonants thrown into a fucking salad bowl. Those books were bad. People love those books. Those books were bullshit. There was like an evil clone of Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, they couldn't legally do that, so they changed his name so his no names like Jackie Kibblebits or something like that. But yeah, I read those books back in the day, and I was like, it was cool to have new Star Wars stuff out there. But yeah, no, those books are. Anyway, uh, let's see. In other news, Ryan North got stuck in a hole this week. <laughs> That's really all you need to know. He got this out, but he got stuck in a hole. This doesn't sound interesting, but uh, so uh, uh, writer Ryan North, a creator of Dinosaur Comics and very entertaining, very tall man, uh, got caught in Not a... Not tall enough. A, uh, he got in a pool this week. He went down into this... Or excuse me, no, it, it was a... Uh, it was no, a, I think it was uh, a swimming... Oh, uh, yeah, a uh, skater park. Pool. And, well, it was uh, actually like yeah, an empty skater park pool. Yeah, so, and it was, because it was all graffitied, and he wanted to get a picture of his dog in it. Um, the tricky thing is, this is that he, he was able to get out, but he wasn't able to get his dog out. Yeah. So he was like, fuck, I guess my life is this whole now. And he posted about it on Twitter, and took, uh, was looking for people to suggest solutions. Yeah, it turned into a real-life adventure game, because they were pretty much like, what things do you have with you can you use yeah, to create? what is your inventory? Yeah, what do we do, Yeah. <laughs> It's actually he's a very like funny Apollo writer 13, and a, yeah. a very entertaining person. He was only so if you've not for forty five minutes, if you have not partaken of his uh, Ryan North Hole adventure, I highly recommend that you do so. The way they also, got the, him and the dog out though was pretty inventive. I like one of the suggestions yeah. was that he take his shirt off, turn the shirt into a sling in which he could put the dog because it's a full size yeah. dog. It's not like a little baby dog. It's not like a Pomeranian. But they're like if your shirt's big enough, it could be a sling, and then you just walk out of there because he needed to be able to get out of the hole while carrying the dog because the dog yeah. can't carry itself. 
But he did have an umbrella. Yeah, he had a little in in inventory. I love it at the, the point where he took his shirt off. He just tweeted back. He's like, okay, guys, now I'm stuck in this hole, and now I have no shirt, and now I'm going to burn to death from the sun in this hole. <laughs> we need an alternate solution to this, yeah. It's it's good dark. I thought it was a joke at first. When, pe when people post, like, I thought it was some just kind of like some kind of meta weird fucking goofball thing, but I guess it was legit. It was a really cute thing to watch roll out in, yeah, real, time. in real time. I'll tell you yeah. that. It was one of those things that, like, twi I was like, Twitter. This is this is good Twitter. Yeah, right this, here. yeah, this is yeah, this is technology at work. Yeah. If you if you don't follow Ryan North on Twitter, I highly recommend it. He's just a funny guy in general. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Star Trek equals Buck Rogers costumes. Click on this. You. I want to see what your opinion about these new costumes are. Okay. So I'm taking. I'm guessing this is from the Star Wars movie. Uh, from the new Star Trek or movie. Or Star Trek movie, yeah. excuse I, me. I guess Freudian they got caught slip. filming outdoors somewhere, and so this is the new costumes? Uh, I'm getting a proxy error. Oh, no! Uh, this is me. I just tell you that the costumes look cool. Oh, let's see. Star Trek Beyond costume. Yeah, just yeah, if you look for that, yeah. Let's see. Should be Chris Pine and a white lady and... Oh wow! You weren't kidding when you say white lady. You mean like like a white, white lady? lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they look great. I, it's really kind of Buck Rogers neat, like like little booties and like little like yeah. No, it's, it's really kind good. Of like padded. Hey, I actually I really like her costuming. Yeah, I don't know who. No one knows what she's playing or what species that is or anything like that. Have you seen Kingsman yet? The Secret Service? No. Speaking of spy no. stuff, I guess she See, plays... See, I, I, I want to because uh, uh, Kingsman was directed by... People keep talking to me about Kingsman, as I discussed, Man from Uncle. Yeah. And Kingsman was actually directed by Matthew Vaughn, who was a protege of Guy Ritchie. Okay. So, um, yeah. If you want to watch that this week, I might watch it this week, just because I keep on meaning to check that out sometimes, so... Uh, we can talk about it. I really time. like this costuming. The the jacket actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Mass Effect. Uh, on on the Star Trek guys, costuming? on the actual yeah yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It kind of looks like that. Some people were saying it looks like Star Wars, but I was like, no, it looks a little more like yeah, like more Mass Effecty, Buck Rogersy kind of like I don't know. It's 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 rare that you like, kind of see rugged Star Trek outfits, but yeah, well, it looks very much so like kind of a um, like because there are dress uniforms like you usually see on a Star Wars or excuse me in a Star Trek context yeah. because. Well, I shouldn't say dress, but like um, no, they're kind of sometimes like yeah, it's, they're kind of it, delicate. The, the intention is to convey rank and uh, position more than to do any sort of protection. It's a true uniform. Yeah, Whereas that, this is yeah. like it, like the kind of like taking uh, is more like a uh, uh, working like you are actually out and about. There's and some actual protection. You can actually armor. get in a fist fight yeah. in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and also like uh, Chris Pine, they kind of grew his hair out a little bit, so he's got a little bit of a Shatnerian yeah. flounce to his hair. That's real cute. So, I don't know. It looks pretty Oh, cute. this is cute. Oh, and I love Anton Yelchin. He's yeah. so cute. <laughs> yeah, there's like video. They so I guess they were filming out in the parking lot and someone, because this is the first time they've done any outdoor filming, somebody was able to sneak sure. some photos and some like quick YouTube video of his stuff. But Oh, Star cool. Trek. Yeah, that's that's the movie that's coming out next summer for this, uh Star Trek's 50th anniversary, I guess. Yeah. And that is also written by uh, Shaun of the Dead. What's his face? Oh, Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. They so. let Simon Pegg write this one? Oh. Uh, yeah, they kind of ran out of people because, like, a lot of people, like, once J.J. Abrams decided he wanted to direct Star Trek, or Star Wars instead of Star Trek, yeah. uh, a lot of other people, like, they kind of stepped up the plate and, like, oh, we're going to write this new movie. We're going to direct this new movie. And they all fell away. And Man. so it's 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 the Fast and the Furious guy, guy directing, and, yeah, it's... it's uh, 
what's his face writing? Simon Pegg. I, I can kind of see how Simon Pegg, that must be a weird situation where it's like, everyone's going to go do Star Wars. On the one hand, I want to do a Star Wars. Yeah. On the other hand, everyone else is gone so I can play with Star well, Trek. We've seen the most recent uh, Star Wars trailer. You see Simon Pegg is playing a background alien, but it, he must have been doing that on break between like, okay, I gotta go yeah. back and finish <laughs> writing sure. up the script for the new Star Trek movie that I'm working on. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's actually kind of inherited Star Trek when it was abandoned by everyone else. Yeah. That's cute. That um, makes me kind of excited. About yeah, he's a big Star Trek fan. I mean, he's, he's yeah. you know, like, he's, yeah. So, anyway. In other news, Banksy's Dismaland was released this week, was revealed. Did you see people's reaction to this? Oh, my God. I love the collected... The collective heavy sigh. People <laughs> fucking turned on that motherfucker. <laughs> I've seen- well, this is just... This is... The thing about Disneyland, it's like... This is like... It, 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 for, were this from any artist, this would be like some weak shit. Like, this is like some like intro art school level. Like, wouldn't it be edgy if, if Mickey Mouse were smoking a cigarette? If, sort of if Banksy were on The Simpsons, this is kind of like yes! th- what they would do with him. We're like, oh, he invented yeah. this Disneyland knockoff. Or The only interesting thing I did see that they have a statue of the Little Mermaid. That's done up to kind of look like it's being warped through like a video signal, but it's a yeah. three-dimensional real statue. But it, like, yeah. it's, like the horizontal shit, it's all fucked up. Which I thought yeah. from a technical perspective looked cool, but like, yeah. So yeah, I no one in the world is surprised that Disney is, especially like, especially in an age where everyone is aware of just how Disney is kind of controlling all media. It's not all media, but like yeah. Disney is already. Everyone knows that Disney is this this monolithic presence in our lives. Banksy is not doing anything to blow anyone's minds by suggesting, like, Disney, like, oh, this evil organization, oh, it's in yeah. control of everything, trying to make you so happy, and, like, oh, this is, like, the fucking, this is high school fucking bullshit, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, as always, it's impressive that Banksy, like, worked with all these artists collaboratively yeah. to create this thing and remain anonymous, blah, 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 Again, from stuff, an engineering but... perspective, it's kind of interesting to see, but, yeah, it's just, like, the message is, like, the tiredest, like... We get it. It's not that we don't even believe in it. Like from this from a guy who recorded a three-hour Disneyland Star Wars podcast with friends last week. <laughs> uh, it's of course you to hear me go, oh, this is bullshit. But it's at the same time, even I'm like I I am completely aware of how awful Disney can be, or corporations in general. It's just like yeah, so yeah. yeah. Oof. Uh, in other news, Marvel is going to have cosplay cover variants in October. Clicking on this. Speaking now. of Disney being everywhere, yeah. Oh, that's actually cute. So they they have they I did oh that's really cute. So <laughs> uh-huh. they actually shot cosplayers to put on the covers. Uh huh. That's cute. And as it hell. was worth me just making a note of this just to see your face when you clicked on that link. Just like, oh, that's cute. That is not what I expected. Yeah. Like I thought that the joke was gonna be it would be different Marvel characters cosplaying as. No, you've got like this old dad as Thor. You've got cool ladies. It's it's good stuff. It's cute stuff. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, you've got a great Spider nice. Woman. It's also kind of nice what that says about like just having. It's kind of a nice acknowledgement of the cool thing that fandom, the cool things that fandom does. Oh like, man, they got a crazy She-Hulk too. Fuck. Fully will want to um, tenderly pleasure that Captain Marvel. Good job. Good job. Uh, oh, that's really good. See, I always get Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Annie's divorced. <laughs> um, I didn't know that's really cu- cute. That's oh, really cute. I did play a little bit. There's on PlayStation 4, you can download the Call of Duty multiplayer beta. 
Yeah. Uh, just for the weekend, though, I think it ends on like a Monday or Tuesday. Uh, one of the player classes that you can choose is a super badass lady who kind of looks like that Ms. Marvel who smokes a cigar. Seriously? It's great because she doesn't talk or anything that much, except when you lose a match, she's like, God damn it, you fucked up. Do better next time. Is is her name Body Wash McTavish? It, it should be, yeah. There, it's just, there's no actual... That's she's just a kind joke, of a character because class. Because there was a character named Soap great. McTavish, and he smoked a cigar, and he was a man, so my joke is that it's Body Wash McTavish. It's my joke. Foley's observing from the other room. That's a terrible joke. I think it's a pretty good one. This is me just saying Foley, if she has free time, she download that just to see what that character class looks like. <laughs> her, her special weapon is a grenade that bl- fucking blows people into bloody bits. Uh, it's super, yeah, crazy grenade launcher thing, but yeah, so. In other news, uh, George Miller is in talks to direct Man of Steel 2. Mm. Which is funny, because I think he was supposed to be directing the Justice League movie when they were supposed to be doing that like a decade ago, but that fell oh, apart. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah but now... Of all the people I know, just let him make... He doesn't have to necessarily make more Mad Max movies, but yeah. of all the... He's one of the few people I really just want to see just making his own stuff without getting attached to any, like... I mean, I would love if he came out and said he's doing Star Wars, but I'm just yeah. as much as happy as if he keeps on making his own stuff, just because he's such a weird, unique voice. And especially now that he's popular again because of Fury Road, he can pretty much do... I don't know if he can do what anything he wants, but... It would suck that, like, especially if, if he did a Man of Steel 2, if that would, like, knock back any more Mad Max movies for a while. Because the dude's old. He's only got so many mo- more movies left in him anyway. Yeah, that's why it sucks. I mean, th- the best thing would happen that he would ma- take Man of Steel and make it good, which would be nice. May- hopefully he could do that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's only a rumor, though. That's not confirmed. But still, it's kind of like a little bit of a heartbreaker of a rumor. My, my response to that news is uh, uh, to please uh, cue up a sound of uh, the... the boom, 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 for Price of Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for Price yeah. of Right, please. Uh, Dumbledore is death? Question mark. J.K. Rowling says the new fan theory fits. You, you've never heard of this rumor? Because I hadn't heard about this theory before. No. So I, 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 My days of being interested in I Harry know, Potter, I know theories so this is a theory i guess it's a relatively new theory do you remember from the last harry potter book there's the there's the whole little story that hermione tells about death and the deathly hollows about how death the three brothers try to circumvent death by like inventing the you know the the the, the invisible cloak and having the elder wand and having that little stone Mm -hmm. that brings back people back to life and Mm -hmm. like they all get fucked up but like the last brother I don't know, forget, forget what it is. But it's the theory is that because Dumbledore at one point or another throughout all the stories is the owner of all these objects, and they specifically talk about how the, the three brothers in that story are represented by, like, Tonks and different characters, and especially the last brother who avoids uh, pissing off death is essentially Harry Potter, and huh. he, since he's the boy who lived, he avoided death, but now, like, he has to embrace death in the end. And, and this whole... Google it. It, it actually does not sound... Not that, not that the theory is like they're suggesting like, like, huh? Dumbledore yeah, is literally so they, death, but just metaphorically, this, yeah. Uh, there is an old fan theory that has proposed that in this story, the story of the three brothers, the fairy tale that you yeah. hear in Deathly Hallows, Lord Voldemort represents the first brother who asks for one more powerful than the other, who ends, which ends up being his downfall. Mm-hmm. Snape represents the second brother who asks for a tool to resurrect loved That's ones. Is, yeah. His memory still clung to Lily, and Harry represents the third described in the fable as a humble man who only asks to live a long and happy life without the fear of death. Yeah. Which is essentially uh, what he gets. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. and 
again, it's more metaphorical than anything else, but uh, I guess somebody threw this at J.K. Rowling to see what she would think. She's like, oh, yeah, no, that actually fits. I really like that. that that's a kind of mm-hmm. a cool way to read that as just kind of like that's a, that's a reinterpretation of that theory within the universe. And so... Yeah, I like that she says specifically it's a beautiful theory. Yeah, which is not so. wrong. Yeah, no, no, not saying that he's specifically the Grim Reaper going, ha, 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 I get yeah. to kill people now, but just like, yeah, metaphorically. Yeah. And he does, he's done a lot of fucked up things. He has caused the death of a lot of people. He kind of like mm-hmm. is kind of like a specter of death a little bit in those books. And I don't know, that's not, not entirely wrong. I mean, when Harry does get pretty much whacked at the end of the last book, uh, he does kind of essentially die and meet Dumbledore at the gate to heaven or the afterlife. Good point. And yeah. he, Dumbledore is there saying, hey, you can die, you can come with me, or you can go back and choose to live. And, and so even that way, that function, you know, it's kind of like, it could be interpreted as death, so. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. That's it. That's all, all the news that fits a print. That's, Bill has has gone to the news well and taken all of the, 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 the delicious, refreshing news from it. Now it's just empty. We hear our voices echo up from below saying, you've been listening to the Boy Howdy Podcast. We're at Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitter. BoyHowdyPodcast.com is our website. Thank you, as always, for joining us, friends, this week. Week, 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 week. Uh, <laughs> That's my man. dumb joke. I, yeah, I didn't want to sit down sometime and have an excuse to watch, like, John Wick and or Kingsman. So maybe, I don't know if you want to do that next week. I know you're busy this week, but sometime in the near future, I'd like to watch Let me put week. it this way. I am so stressed out from work. I don't want to partake of anything except uh pretty much guaranteed wins yeah. so that's why i went to go see man from uncle because i knew i would at least have a good time with that and that is why i'm only playing shadow run hong kong because i know that's, that's a good point okay time, okay so. yeah you don't feel like an experimental mood with media i oh, understand fuck what? i forgot one of the best pieces of media i took over the last couple of weeks that i want to talk about yeah. i'll just touch on it briefly because i really have to go um i just i played uh, everybody's gone to the rapture really had a good time with it it is a very slow game you have to drink literally and physically and partake of it, but um, I feel like that is part of it. The way that I felt um, when I played Mist oh so many years ago, and I the game I thought it was, this is the game I thought Mist was many many years ago. So I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I yeah. really did. I've only played a little bit of it. I, I played some of it with Dylan, and she recognized the name of the scientific observatory that everyone's at at the beginning as being mm-hmm. from like a Philip K. Dick book. I think hmm. she said Philip K. Dick book. Like, Valis yeah, this or whatever is, it is. Yeah. This is a game that very much so wears its... Oh, man, that is from Philip K. Dick. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, this is a game that kind of wears its influences on its sleeve. It's very much so in the genre of the cozy catastrophe, sort of very British, um, usually like a, a post-nuclear war sort of panic. Um, what is it? The Day of the Triffids? Yeah, that kind of stuff. In yeah. this genre. It's very much so of that, and it's a, it's a very slow, methodical game, but it if you just uh, what it was a it's a game of relationships and more than anything else it's about the people in this small town and their connections as um things come to an end around them mm, okay. and uh if you I, my only regret with it is that i did not just plot out five or six hours and just play it all in one go okay i've um, played an hour and i've only kind of like i've just been exploring i've ran into a couple essentially story notes that pop up that let you see the kind of the shadows of people talking about whatever happened that cleaned out mm-hmm. the world. And mm-hmm. I've actually been avoiding that more just like exploring to see, like I went to the church to see what's going on at the church and you know and stuff like that. But glad to see there is a story and that you really liked it though. 
Uh, yeah, the the characters in this place, because it, it really is about this kind of isolated, insular, small town, yeah. and the relationships of the people in it. My advice to people playing this game is are, is to a n- try not to read anything about it. Try to go into it uh, knowing as little as you can. B do not proceed from a, a core area until the game indicates that you do so. You will know very much so what I'm talking about. Hmm. If it's not clear where you should go next, keep your eyes open for where the light draws you. The light will always, when you're lost, if you follow it, it will draw you to whatever is your next point. Mm. And do not exit an area until the light tells you to leave. Um, I uh, pushed through a, 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 a f- the game uh, and did ignored the light because my instinct is, for, as a game player, when a game tells me to go right, I go left. That's, That's exactly like, like... That's why I've been kind of avoiding the story nodes and just exploring just to see what's there before. Maybe I get drawn past a checkpoint and I can't return to that environment or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. If, if you do that, if you follow that instinct like I did, you will sometimes accidentally go past a checkpoint and miss all of the potential story. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So it is, and there's really not much to do in the game. It's set in a uh, small British town. It's this kind of like a circular layout around the river, uh, around the pond, mm-hmm. and it's relatively open, and you can explore this area or, and kind of drawn yeah. around this I've pond. I've never seen anything yet that really gates you in terms of like where you can go, where you can do. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I just really enjoyed it. It was a quiet game of, uh, of all these different people and all their different relationships and how they're connected and their biases and really good naturalistic performances and I highly recommend Did it. you play with the subtitles on? Yes. Because I've heard people suggest that because a lot of the story is told you're walking through this town that is empty but you see these like little spirits kind of show up and have conversations with each other and it seems to be like echoes of the people talking before mm-hmm. everyone disappeared and without the subtitles you, it can be hard to track who's talking to who and what's kind of it's uh, you can hear the voices and you, you can get the vague idea of what's going on but specifically like you it's hard to keep track of specific voices unless you have a very good ear for recognizing exactly who's talking to at any given time because you're talking about a whole town full of people so i'm not assuming i'm assuming it's more than just like three or four characters that you that you well that, that's where i say that I, that's why I say that I wish I played it all in one chunk because yeah. you very at, at, the game very deliberately plunks you into the scenario without a lot of context, yeah. and you kind of have to pick together the context as you go. The weird thing so is the start, music is terrible. The music is what it's some of those. It's that bluegrass rap that you're talking about the whole time, they, just blasting. They, What's fascinating is, I mean, it's a very, to some degree, it's a very manipulative game. Mm-hmm. Like, the music is very much so pushing and pulling you in different emotional directions. And I did cry three distinct moments of this game. Mm-hmm. That game got me crying big, big, fat, weepy tears. Mm-hmm. There's really, what's fascinating is there's this choral music throughout that. That's what I liked, yeah. That is, they're singing in English, and everything that there's, in some cases, what there's, the singing are like strips, like essentially variations of dialogue you've heard. Oh, okay. And it I gives no it idea. this this whole, like you can kind of ignore, it, it can just be sound, but it, 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 it is a game where if you drink the Kool-Aid and just go into it and accept the experience that it's giving to you, you'll have a good time. Okay. It's from the same team that did Dear Esther. And uh, similar to Dear Esther, it was developed as a narrative experiment, but in the way that Dear Esther kind of bounced right off to me because it felt a little too poetic, a little too much of an art, of like a performance piece as opposed to a narrative. This game, if you just meet it where it is, is a really enjoyable, very affecting narrative, and I highly recommend anybody has a PS4 to give it a shot. Okay, very cool. Um, and that's it for this week's podcast. 
Sorry for my little divergence. I wanted to bring that up. But uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all next week about more pop culture detritus. Okay. Take care, guys.